Hello and welcome to Sutra Side Talk, episode 45. I'm your host, Cameron Schuster, and with me is... Your co-host, Ty Robertson. Yes, yes that, you're, you're not James. No, I'm not. Uh, you said James is feeling a little under the weather this week? Yeah, so guys, uh, our, my normal co-host that I've been with for 44 episodes and many a special, James Selig, is uh, now pregnant. Uh, he is reproducing <laughs> asexually and is not here now because he is going through labor. But no, actually, uh, he's going through a few health issues right now. Uh, nothing in Corona involved, uh, luckily, thank God. Uh, but basically, he just has to do his own thing. And he actually had to go from like point A to point B in the state. So he didn't have his mic with him either. So he couldn't record this week. So we wanted to keep that streak going. And I was like, hey, what if I got a guest co-host for this week? And I thought of Ty. And Ty here... Well, we've known each other for. Oh my I gosh! Say, I don't like, even know. 2013, 2012, around that time, I'd say. Yeah, we we met. Uh, 2012. I graduated 2012, and so I would have met you in the fall of 2012. Uh, so it's been. Uh, eight, eight years. years. Holy shit! Jeez. Oh my, oh my God. gosh! Yeah. Uh, yeah, we met. Uh, we we both went to SCAD. Uh, we met through the uh, the Nerf LARPing community. I think we met at Snug. Yeah. Um, well, no, we totally like, did. We yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Snug. I, I don't know if you've mentioned it on the. I don't think before. I actually have much to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I've hidden that life away. <laughs> but now it's well, time to let it come out. Yeah, long story short, Snug and HVZ and Demon and all of these Nerf LARP-based games were sort of uh, clubs at SCAD uh, that we both participated in as players and we even worked on as designers uh, from time to time. But uh, Snug was the weekly like Nerf shootout that would happen around the freshman dorm area. And uh, my friend Roman, who uh, I met uh, like the first week I was at SCAD, Roman came to me, introduced me to Graham, and they introduced me to Snug, which is where I met you and Dan and Dima and Zach and all the all the guys. Oh, yeah. uh, pretty much everybody in our friend group has come from that. So it's yeah, that's sort of the origin story of of me and dear old dad. We we, we, we each had a friend like uh, my roommate Andrew was the one that introduced me of all people, which is great. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. You're living yeah, with, with yeah. I was living with Andrew at the time. You guys don't know anyone we're talking about, but if you oh, did, yeah, you'd, you'd, you'd be like, "Whoa, yeah." Uh, Meanwhile, we just popped out of a movie talking to half of these people. Um, we watched Shin Godzilla tonight with the old friend group uh, remotely, which was great. Yeah, th- this is actually, folks. This, these are the people I was watching the last three monster movies with during that watch long I was talking about. Ty has been there every single time. He's actually been our uh, designated projectionist. So he's the one that uh, live streams it for us each time, which has been great. Yeah. It's been fantastic. It's been such a good way to keep in touch over over Discord. And just it, it's like the good old days. We used to do Sunday night movies, and now we've got Thursday night monster movies. Uh, so it's like uh, the SCAD tradition continuing. Yeah, we just solidified it tonight. Uh, we're going to be doing one movie every week, and majority of them will be Godzilla. But we're going we're gonna to have a lot of other stuff. And Ty, actually, uh, to go to you more a little bit, where are you talking from right now? Because normally we're both, James and I are in California, at <laughs> some point in California. Uh, I'm still in San Francisco, but you, I think you're somewhere else. Where is that? Yeah. I'm on the East Coast. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, it's late here. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm still living in the Atlanta area, not that far from SCAD. I grew up a lot of it uh of my life in atlanta um and so i've just kind of stayed in this area which is funny because so many are on on the uh west coast now 
Oh yeah, a lot of people have migrated over here, come to the winning side, and you will too eventually, don't worry, I have plans. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I will with my career, I'm a, for everybody who doesn't know, I'm a VFX artist, um, I'm currently working at a small company called Millions of Tiny Robots in Atlanta that does more kind of commercial uh, work, but um, yeah, hope, hoping to make it big one day, maybe when the industry gets a little bit more friendly, maybe after this, who knows, but uh, yeah, um, that's why I studied SCAD, uh, visual effects, uh, which is just like post-production for film and television. Um, and uh, I specialize in 3D modeling and texturing. And yeah, that's about it. That's, <laughs> that's, well that's done. my SCAD specialty. You did it. Yep. Anyways, let's hop into this, man. Like, I'm hyped. I, I don't mean to rush you, but I'm no, ready. No, let's do it. Open. So, guys, we got... Uh, I know recently we've been doing a lot more kind of focus stuff on like each monster movie and then a good amount of Westworld season three. Uh, we're going to be skipping Westworld because uh, James and I've been talking about it and we're each, uh, he's not here to watch it or talk about it. And I actually, I forgot to watch it. I haven't watched the newest episode yet, so I still got to do that. Uh, but otherwise we have a lot of news this week. Like uh, there's a bunch of stuff. All of a sudden there was a mass revival, new trailers, leaks, uh, release dates for things all over the place, but we're going to go through uh, first off, with the uh, effects of the coronavirus uh, just on the entertainment industry, especially mainly really the movie theaters and a couple of amusement parks. So we'll just go down the line here. Uh, first off, Mission Impossible uh, 7 and 8 have gotten some uh, changes in their dates, a few delays, not too bad. So Mission Impossible 7 was delayed from uh, July 23rd, 2021 to uh, November 19th, 2021. And Mission Impossible 8 was delayed from uh, August 8th, 2022 to November 4th, 2022. So the whole thing with that was they were doing a lot of the filming currently in Italy. And amidst the virus was when they were there doing it. So they had to halt production and they're still halted currently. Uh, so because of that, they're also filming both of these movies back to back. So this is the first time they're just going like, you know, let's just like churn these out. But now the churning has stopped. The butter is... Uh, it's just it's just stagnant it's not moving so uh they're gonna be coming back to it eventually but not right now and because of that there's just about i'd say was it, like five months of a delay it's not too bad it could be worse for than if you've seen like the disney shakeup that's been insane yeah uh, i was reading up on that i don't have much stake in the mission impossible movies <laughs> i've not kept up with that franchise as it's gone forward especially with how uh, frequent they've they've come out with new ones but yeah, on the topic of the Disney parks reopening, um, I was looking into the link that, that you provided as well as uh, a couple others, and there's a lot of differing information, and it sounds like it's a big just who who knows, because um, we've got, there's there was two statements I found, one from uh, John uh, Hodelik, uh, Managing Director of Investment Research at UBS, um, and it seems as though according to him, they're wanting to hold off until there's a widely available vaccine, which could be who knows how long. Like over a year, potentially. Yeah, essentially extending into next year. Meanwhile, we have a JP Morgan analyst, um, another difficult to say name, Alexia uh, Quadrani. Uh, and you ruined it. She, yeah, <laughs> potentially that's not it. But um, she's presented a, a sort of uh, outlook for Disney that says that they could still be opening like late june there's still actually apparently you can book rooms for june uh whether that's you know intentional or not it is available 
and according to her it is but none of these people are speaking directly for disney and it sounds like when you ask disney themselves they're kind of saying well it's it's kind of up in the air we really don't know and these are just sort of the best minds sort of giving two sides of you know the potential solution times yeah you even have like la times saying it's going to be literally january 1st 2021 that it's going to be like there's all the it's just all over the place and uh, we kind of are writing on this a little bit, Ty, I'd say, because uh, I know I've talked to you guys a little bit. Like, I've been wanting to go to Disney World. I even said, like, you know, I mean, like, if things are mostly back to normal and there's no one flying, I feel a little bit more comfortable flying and going to an empty park just so I don't have to deal with lines at Star Wars Land. But uh, <laughs> we were going to go. Ty, you were actually one of the people I was going with to this uh, Disney World trip in June. Yeah, we were originally planning to go to Disney. Uh, we were even planning a big reunion trip with uh, all of our SCAD friends, and this just threw a huge wrench in it, just like I'm, I'm sure for a lot of people with their summer plans. But All uh, my work wasted. I felt so bad, yeah. I've, uh, Cameron's been putting in so much work to these these big trips, and all of a sudden <laughs> everything's come to a screeching halt, which has uh, just been a huge bummer for all of us. Like I, this, I feel the- like the Pirates of the Caribbean, the, that, that dude in Pirates of the Caribbean 3, it's just walking down the ship as it explodes, and he's like, it's just good business. Yeah, yeah, basically, that's you right now. <laughs> like, all of this has been such a, just such a heartbreak. Um, but it's it's weird, because we keep looking at these statements, and, and it seems as though everybody's taking them at face value. Like, not even checking sources or who's saying it, and saying, oh, this person says, you know, yeah, January 1st. 2021 and there's articles that are printing that as if that's fact and it's not it it just so many people are even the biggest corporations who you would think would plan for everything have no idea how to plan around this kind of thing yeah and it's what's interesting too is i think i'm pretty sure disney's been taking like advantage of the opportunity just like other places like uh one small example is in san francisco and golden gate park there's a cool place called the conservatory of flowers it's this really cool giant basically a massive greenhouse of all these different flowers from all these different places and people come from all over the world to see this stuff and right now because there's no one in there they have all this extra time to actually like do all this maintenance and help and like all utility stuff on all these plants like i guess for some forms of refurbishment and i think i heard even like pruning and stuff i don't really i'm not a botanist i don't understand that stuff but uh, there's time now to do all of this maintenance that would be otherwise covered by all these people. So I'm assuming, I'm guessing, at Disney Parks right now, they're probably doing something similar where they're like, hey, we can finally like do a mass cleansing or like just extra maintenance they've never gotten to do before uh, that they've now had the opportunity to do. Yeah, it, it, knowing Disney, they've got money in reserve for, you know, the one thing they they can plan for is like at least you know losses uh, in a situation like this because you know Disney's the biggest corporation on planet Earth they're they're not really losing that much if anything yeah they're probably gearing up for the next big wave of new attractions just they probably get a shit ton of not. money from Disney Plus uh, during oh, these yeah, times yeah. too easily well um that that's like another thing you were talking about um I hate to just jump ahead but it's such a good segue. Um, about AMC no longer showing Universal's films in their theaters because oh. of the dispute over Trolls <laughs> yeah. World Tour. Um, yes. Oh my gosh, yeah. I was So I was reading into that. Um, and it, it's, it's funny because this is something I've kind of thought about for a long time with... Uh, with movies transitioning less from a theater experience and Wait, more to actually, a home before, experience. Wait, before we do go into that, let's let's explain what did happen exactly. Oh, okay. What happened... Yeah. I, I looked up the quotes. This is what happened. Uh, 
So Jeff Schell says he expects to release films simultaneously in theaters and direct to home formats. Um, he's a spokesperson for uh, Universal. Uh, AMC chief executive Adam Aaron says that uh, it's breaking their business model and they no longer want to do business with them because of that. And uh, just throwing out an opinion, I kind of agree with him. Uh, AMC chief, like he basically, yeah, it's like the, the it's a theater experience and, and seeing how much uh, money and how quickly World uh, Trolls World Tour has, has, has turned it around, you know, especially in comparison to the first one with just like a home release. Like people eat that up. Like people don't want to have to go out to the theater because it's nowadays a, a lot of people think of it as a uh, as a chore. Like it's an event that you have to plan for versus a home where you can just buy something on a whim for the same price and not pay for overpriced snacks. Like people yeah, love that junk. No shitty hot dogs, and especially like guys, uh, they've been doing this for a while now since the outbreak started. Uh, there's just been a lot of movies that they just forsaken theatrical releases and just went completely like video on demand on respective platforms and like like i said before like artemis fowl is going to disney plus even scoob is going vod i think now that scooby-doo movie um that remember that movie with the taxi it was like uh it was that like taxi movie where now they're on the run or something i forget what it was called it it was like a weird comedy that i already forgot its name (laughs) i honestly don't know i I can't remember but that was uh, it's like that's going to netflix whatever that one was called it's got that dude that's gonna be in eternals now uh he was in silicon valley uh if you watch that stuff, you'll understand. Otherwise, I can't remember. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, but, I can't comment. <laughs> yes. So, Trolls World Tour, they were like, oh, let's, you know, just throw it on there. Why not? Made so much money. And it, it was such a success. And we can't have that. Like, leaps and, leaps and bounds above its predecessor, which is astonishing. And I think, I, I think the solution to put it, like, on just home direct, like, was probably sort of like a, oh, well, I guess we have to kind of decision. But uh, the fact that uh, it's done so well, I, I'm, I'm sure that's like the, the immediate reaction of, well, crap, let's just do all our movies like this. It's only logical. But um, I, I'm scared. As somebody who you know is a, a big follower of um, uh, Red Letter Media, uh, and I'm, I promise this is going somewhere, but like the guys on Red Letter Media uh, have talked for years. Um, uh, specifically, one of the hosts, Mike, has, has had this long-running theory that one day the movie theater experience will be a Disney experience. It will be something that is exclusive to big blockbuster movies only, like big summer movies, big seasonal movies, and it's like going to be like theme park attraction level, you know, uh, event films, you know, talking Marvel Cinematic Universe, that kind of stuff. And for everything else, we'll just watch it at home. And um, it's funny that he said that for so long, for years, and finally this is like the fruition of it like this is it come to life this is kind of the start because if universal doesn't have a stake in this then that's just another big company that's out of like theater chains that'll you know that show their movies so now that's just you know less competition yeah and it's, it's really interesting because i mean like at, at already a, a certain rate we've seen a lot of independent films kind of do that to begin with it, it, even like shin godzilla for example that was a very very limited release that was in U.S. theaters for a very short time when that came out. And that was like 2016 August. So that was a while ago. And even then, that, that was very rare to just have that for like, Ty, what was it, like a week, probably? It was yeah, very short. It, it depended on what city you're in. But for us, it was like a couple showings over the course of a week. 
and that was it. And it was only at like very select theaters. There's there's a theater near us that's a like an arts theater that showed it, and that's the only one I was aware of. Um, yeah, for us it was the the Century uh, franchise theaters, uh, which is part of a greater I think Cinemark. Uh, so going back to like Universal in this, they have so they they had talked about doing that with other small movies that they're like you know we'll just do that on VOD, but. They were like, well, of course, we're still going to put Fast and Furious because that's like their massive blockbuster, among other things. So like things at that tier they want to put in the theaters. And now one of the probably one of the two biggest chains in the country, if not the world, because they said like three different continents. They're basically saying, yeah, no, no universal movies because we have that many like theaters and that many continents uh, are just saying no, which could honestly prove pretty heavy to Fast and Furious because let's say if they did shift that movie specifically to VOD for that kind of success, they would then probably get the same treatment from companies like Cinemark, Arclight, uh, potentially even more independent theaters. Who knows? Like, uh, there's a lot of people that would just shun them altogether, which we'll see how that goes. Honestly, I personally, I don't think they're going to go all the way down that hole because they're already probably in talks with uh, AMC right now, trying to figure this out. Especially, they have a lot of free time. They're all just working from home, probably. And it well, it's it's kind of like um, Sony Marvel or Sony Disney when you're like, oh, how long will we find out, and like, how much will we actually know on the forefront for like what's going on with Spider-Man? We probably won't know until they have an official announcement or something later on. It's like, hey. So this is what's happening, and then we're just going to get a bunch of random rumors again, and people just giving their wish list of what's going to happen, most likely. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, I agree. The, uh, ironically, something I'm thinking of uh, is, I don't know if you've noticed this, but uh, kind of the inverse of the situation where you know bigger you know production companies are looking more at uh, just direct-to-home release as a, a modern way to make their money quickly and easily. Um, I've noticed that some bigger theater chains have been showing smaller releases more than they have, uh, you know, in previous years, even just in the last couple years. Um, good example, uh, recently, uh, the second My Hero Academia movie came to the U.S. Um, and just for reference, like the first movie, which is only like a year and a half ago, um, when Alessandro and I were looking, my, my girlfriend and I were looking for, uh, showings we were having a very difficult time finding showings in our area as well as uh, showings that were you know subtitled because that was you know sort of a, a big complaint at the time you could only find the dub that's also topical you know with uh with parasite <laughs> and people wanting dubs um but uh recently when the second movie came out like a couple months ago uh we went to go see it and had no problem finding a subtitled showing and much less you know uh, a, a difficult to find showing there was lots of showings in our area of both the sub and the dub and i was astonished i was like I, I mean i guess the series has gotten pretty big but for all these theaters to be showing subtitled you know anime movies uh is is kind of bizarre and it made me wonder if maybe there's been a, a bit more of a realization that you know people will go see that stuff like dedicated fans want to see that in theaters even though it's a smaller release so i'm wondering if maybe there's going to be sort of a a tip in the balance of um really big movies start to, to potentially, you know, do a simultaneous release and maybe theaters start looking elsewhere to try and make their money back because they have to survive 
And so they start putting smaller releases in theaters. So we see like a, a flip of the just drop it on Netflix algorithm. <laughs> mm, and just make it more of like an event. Just yeah. kind of... Anything you can limited. sell as an event. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that makes a, sense. I like that Shin, idea, actually. Shin Godzilla, speaking of it, when even though it was only a couple small releases, the theater we went to see it at uh, made it an event. They had posters. They had, like, a Godzilla statue in the lobby. They had, um, like, not just posters for the movie itself, but, like, posters for, like, all films throughout the era. Uh, they had, like, a little art gallery, like, up leading to the hallway to the theater room that they showed it in. It was really bizarre, and I was like, my gosh, they really love Godzilla. But we did realized, not have you know, that whatsoever. Yeah, <laughs> they, they realized they got to sell it somehow. Like, if you want people to come see this, you're taking a shot on, you know, uh, basically bidding to put this smaller movie in your theater. you got to make people want to go see it um, more than just the, the drive to see it. Uh, in general, but the drive to see it like in a theater at your theater, that type of thing. So, um, I think accommodating those types of films, hopefully, will will we'll have some sort of resurgence just because of the the tip in the scales. But either way, it's going to be interesting moving forward for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. And just like real fast, there. Like I mean, speaking of Godzilla, and like kind of turning things into events. Like I mean, it's like I've talked about before here. Uh, one of the local theaters here, the Balboa. It's a lot smaller. It's just a family-owned one, if I remember correctly. It uh, had a Godzilla. It's had Godzilla events here where it's got like six, seven movies over like two days or something. They have everything from like art vendors to uh, last time. I kid you not, Mike Doherty, the director, was there, oh, and wicked. I got to talk to him. I got to talk to the actual uh, mocap actor for Godzilla. Uh, it was great. It was a good time. He was taking pictures with pictures with kids. Uh, I, th- I think yeah. No, we talked about this on a previous episode. But yeah, no, it's it's uh, it, it was like things like that. They just do a great job. And hell, Mike Doherty was tweeting out during that watch along that we had last week, where I still, that guys, after I finished recording, uh, I still it took me another hour to go through all of his tweets. It, it, it took a while, and then I bombarded our uh, group Discord with a a bunch of <laughs> behind the scenes images and whatnot. That was great. All right, concept art and everything. But yeah, yeah, moving so- on. We got, like, three more of just the corona, and then we got the normal news. So, uh, Sony, kind of, they did the same thing Disney did, where they have a full shift of, like, their entire lineup. So, I'm just going to run down the list. Uh, but there'll be a couple key ones in here we we'll, may talk about for, like, a second. So, uh, first up, their movie Connected. It's an animated movie. Uh, it's gone from uh, September 18th, 2020 this year to October 23rd, uh, 2020 this year. Uh, Escape Room 2 has gone from December 30th, 2020 to January 1st, 2021. That's a whole... I think that's two days, actually. That's... What the hell? All right, whatever. Uh, Fatherhood has gone from uh, October 2020... uh, October 23rd, 2020 to April 2nd, 2021. Uh, Vivo has gone from April 16th, 2021 to June 4th, 2021. And then here's the the kicker, guys. So, remember, we were going to get Uncharted... October 8th, 2021, after the previous delay. It is now July 16th, 2021. Now, Ty, does that sound like a delay? No. It was in the strangest of moments, guys, for the first time, Uncharted has actually gone forward while everything else is going back. 
I have to admit, I was doing the math in my head a little bit, like, wait a minute. <laughs> yes, now there's actually a couple here that threw me off when I was first looking through them, and I'm like, this is the weirdest delay, I'm doing my math wrong, and I'm like, oh, that's not a, that's not a delay, they've, they've done some different shifts where some things are actually coming out sooner now, uh, but that means, you know, we're still, we're still getting that Uncharted movie with Tom Holland, and uh, apparently Mark Wahlberg is Sully, and... Uh, oh my gosh, that's right. I yep. I totally forgot the casting choices for that film. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's going to be... I, I've, I've been waiting for this. I, I just want to see. I need to know if it's going to rise or fall, because it, it could go any direction. I have no idea. It, it sounds like it's going to be like... Do you remember... Uh, I never watched it, but The the Young Adventures of Indiana Jones. I may show. or may not have the complete DVD collection. <laughs> it sounds like that. I would, I would actually enjoy that if it was like that. Uh, the whole thing is it's supposed to be... I guess technically part of the canon of the games, but it's in between everything. So it is a young Drake with Sully, or it could be its own new story, because I don't know if it's going to be them already established like they are uh, in the games, like they established like he's a young 14-year-old kid, whereas obviously Tom Holland can't be a 14-year-old kid anymore, even though he was Spider-Man as like, what was he, 15, 16? Uh, but I'm assuming this is like, hopefully they already know each other, or I don't think it's going to be an actual origin story. They haven't really talked about it yet. Uh, we, it's been more of like the news has been is this movie happening is this movie happening oh it's the director we're seventh directors in now great all right sounds good to me oh my gosh is that yes, really how it's, many it's been yes uh seven directors Jeez. yeah i know and because originally when they first thought about this in 2011 when the third game was coming out it was like hey we should make mark Wahlberg, <laughs> nathan drake and everyone that's, was like no that's right i remember yeah, that rumors of the, that that's why it was so full circle that they went, hey, we're going to cast him as Sully because he's aged nine years since then. That's incredible. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, next up, Hotel Transylvania 4 gone from, uh, it's uh, moved up actually from December 22nd, 2021 to August 6th, 2021. I actually didn't know they were making a fourth one. Uh, those, these are actually been the best Adam Sandler movies because then you just look at the Netflix ones, and those are actually terrible. This is actually substantially better in quality, which is the funniest thing. But that's it, also, I haven't watched uh, Uncut Gems yet, so I can't, I can't attest that one specifically. Oh, well, that's not a comedy, so I don't think there's... Yeah, no, no, it's definitely not a comedy. <laughs> well, um, um, I was just going to say, yeah, yeah, I've, I've heard uh, there's, there's definitely been a vocal minority that has vouched for the quality of the, uh, the Hotel Transylvania movies, which is really funny to me, because I, I saw the first one and kind of blew it off. And yeah, upon rewatching it, I'm like, yeah, not only is the animation quality like really springy and fun and different from what most of the studios do, he's he's funny enough. Like, you know, it's passable. They made Mel Brooks uh Vlad. So, you know. <laughs> My old Mel Brooks being an old ass vampire. <laughs> and I did like, not oh, know that great. was Mel Brooks. That's yeah, that's great. Mel Brooks is playing his dad. <laughs> it's perfect. I love that. <laughs> that, that. That gives it some bonus points. I know, right? Alright, uh, Man from Toronto from November 20th, 2020 to September 17th, 2021. And here are the last three. Uh, two, this one's okay. No one really cares about it. Uh, the new Spider-Man movie. Uh, the third one. Uh, July 16th, 2021. Now pushed back to uh, November 5th, 2021. Remember I was talking about that, guys? I lost. This is my, like, this and Indiana Jones were my, like, my birthday movies. And then they said, hey, we're going to give you Captain Marvel 2. And I was like, you guys hate my birthday. I hate you guys so much. <laughs> and then uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse sequel uh, has gone from uh, yes. April 8th, 2022, uh, delayed to uh, October 7th, 2022. 
And uh, the last one is uh, The Nightingale from Tristar. Uh, that was going to be December 25th, 2020 to, to be determined. Uh, which, if I can find it real fast, I think uh, there is a, an official name specifically to uh, the Spider-Man universe of the movies currently. Wait, I, I th- are you talking about like a, like a new title for the sequel? Not for the sequel, but they've named the universe. <laughs> is it not the Spider Verse? Like, no, like that's the animated one. The this one, oh, they, the it's the legitimately called Spy uh, Spider Man Universe of Characters. What? <sighs> it's Hold um, they've up, taken a lot of they've taken a lot of uh, what would you call it? Um, inspiration from Spider Man and his uh, what's it called? Amazing Friends. Yeah, wait. Yeah. <laughs> this is the name for the new. Wait, is this the the? I think this the, is like the verse that has Venom, Morbius, and I guess technically Tom Holland and whatnot. Like this is the, what they're gonna call it. The, the Sony Marvel collab universe. Like yes. Whatever they've come out of this deal with. That's that's yes. what it's called. Yes. Oh my gosh! What the? Isn't heck? it great? It's genius. It's it's the. You that's go, gotta be you like say, a leaked working title or something that can't be the name it's like a pippin tier decision where they go yeah we're gonna go right into the front door it's the last thing they expect <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much i i wouldn't uh, if you asked me what i thought that it would be called it wouldn't have been that i would have just called it spider-man and his amazing friends but that's just me you know i, just, just <laughs> I would actually love that yeah i'm still waiting for that human torch what was the what was the girl's name in that in that show was it flame bird firebird or something no it was what? like what is it uh, it was like uh it was wasn't it was it iceman or human torch it was iceman right iceman and flame like firebird there was a spider-man that little like 60s cartoon oh oh you mean uh was iceman in that i'm trying to remember it was either iceman or human torch it was one of the two it was either the hot one or the cold one <laughs> Jeez. I, don't, I don't know i don't know I watched all right moving on little. So, uh they so there's a last couple shifts for the marvel movies now after we talked about the previous ones that basically moved all over the place like a bunch of hot jelly beans i don't hot what would be the hot those hot potatoes or hot potatoes. all right yeah hot potatoes let's go with that one. uh so thor love and thunder has shifted from uh february 28th 2022 just like two weeks up to february 11th 2022 where dr strange has uh gone way back from November 5th, 2021 to March 25th, 2022. Uh, It's most likely giving Sam Raimi more time to figure out how to work in uh, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man into this universe. Uh, Because if they don't, it's like I said, uh, if they don't put in... Because it's a multiverse of madness. Literally, the title is Multiverse of Madness. If they don't have the balls to put in Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man in this movie, then I am giving this movie a 0 out of 10. It is going to be trash. It is going to be trash, and you throw it in the dumpster where it belongs if it does not have the Toby. Oh, yeah. Um, also got to fit in Bruce Campbell somehow. That's tradition. Oh, yeah. No, he's got to put in Bruce Campbell. He was the he was the announcer for the wrestling match, right, in the first one? Well, yeah, he's in all three. Um, in the first one, he's the announcer for the wrestling match. In the second one, he is the uh, the guy... He's, uh, shoot, what do you call it? He's the theater attendant. Um, and in oh, the third one, like the, the, uh, the usher. He, yeah, he won't let him into the theater because the doors are closed. And then the third one, he's the uh, the waiter at the French restaurant with the bad thing, oh. French accent. <laughs> I, for, I forgot that was him. Oh, oh my, my god. god. 
Yeah, well, That's I, I recently rewatched them with Alessandra, like, uh, well, in the last couple of years, uh, showing her those. But, um, yeah, so speaking uh, speaking of them, we've got, uh, this is a little bit old news. You might have covered this, but the, the change in directors, because um, Scott Derrickson is no longer directing. We didn't honestly talk about it too much. We just kind of said Sam Raimi was doing it. So if you want to, you can go into that, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm nervous, especially with the, the change in... Um, release date because it it was kind of air quote mutual like that's what scott derrickson says he says kind of uh, like edgar wright when he left ant-man except that was more way more for creative differences well he he did say creative differences this is the official statement marvel and i have mutually agreed to part ways on doctor strange in the multiverse of madness due to creative differences i'm thankful for our collaboration and uh we'll remind will remain on as ep um so I'm not sure what those creative differences are. I'm not sure if this is a situation where he, you know, it's a prepared statement. um, So that could be something bad or it could be something minor. But part of the contract potentially. Yeah. And and knowing Sam Raimi, you know, being Sam Raimi, uh, I I hope that there's nothing restrictive because, uh, you know, he has horror background. This kind of is supposed to have, you know, sort of bizarre horror vibes. Um, But uh scott derrickson has you know horror uh background uh, horror background as well with the uh the exorcism of emily rose and sinister um it's obviously not as goofy as sam raimi if if at all uh you know but uh I, i'm wondering what the creative differences were and and the fact that they have that shared background is interesting to me and uh the fact that it's being pushed back you know despite the fact that it's so early in development anyway um it raises a lot of questions Oh yeah, definitely. It's, it's very, um, I mean, I feel like this has been the, like, besides Edgar Wright, this happened before with, um, what were the, uh, the Lego guys when they were doing Solo, um, what were their names before I went to Ron Howard? Oh, I actually don't know. Was that a similar situation? They, yeah, there was a whole, that was like a mess, uh, cause Ron Howard took over and it's like, yeah, it's Ron Howard. And it's like, yeah, I, I know, yeah, it's Ron Howard. That's great and everything, but these guys are <laughs> literally like major comedy dudes. Have done the Lego movies as well as uh, what was the other movie they did that was amazing? Um, was it Twenty One Jump Street? Was it? I can fact check. I think it was the same one. Uh, but the whole thing was like it's Disney has a very you know they're very on rails. Like they have the reins on you. You can't move too far away. And that is true for Sam Raimi. It's like, how is this going to work out? And when he took up the contract, was he like, hey, I want this much freedom? And they said yes. Or did they go, hey, you want to do this? This is how it's going to go. And he said yes. Well, I'm, I'm scared because that is an exact, you know, uh, scenario that happened with Spider-Man 3, uh, where you know, the studio wanted to push for Venom as a recognizable villain, and Sam Raimi didn't want to include him because uh, he wasn't familiar. He didn't feel he was familiar enough with the character. He didn't feel like he had a spot for him, and they kind of pressured him just to shove him in there, even though it was previously established that he wanted Sandman to be his main villain. Um, And then they're like, well, we need to wrap up Harry Osborn's, you know, story as well. Can we get to see him as a new Green Goblin? And it kind of got overwhelming and Sam Raimi finally kind of bent under the pressure and just sort of threw everything in and made the studio happy. And not to mention that's what happened with uh, the planned uh, Spider-Man four 
with uh, Tobey Maguire as well, where there's you can see storyboards for that uh, online. But he said, yeah, there's a similar situation where it, it just didn't feel like he could actually make the movie he wanted to make. And he felt like he'd already kind of been broken by Spider-Man 3. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm scared for him. You know, Sam Raimi's great. <laughs> we, we don't want that to happen to him again. Protect the Raimi, guys. I mean, like, he yeah. also, like, wasn't Spider-Man 4 going to be Vulture? And yes, if I remember correctly, wasn't the potential plan to have Anne Hathaway as, like, a Vulture-ess or something? Oh, I'm not sure. I've not I heard thought any... that was a thing. And then, like, later on, then we got her as Catwoman. And I was like, oh, cool, she's still doing something. And then I was like, I'm, I'm glad I got this instead, actually, because I, I like her as Catwoman. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I've not heard any uh, additional commentary on any of the storyboards or plans. I've just seen the um, I've seen the storyboards, and that's about it. And it was just for, like, the, all that exists is storyboards for, like, an opening fight scene, and that's it. Um, so, yeah, there's there, there's so many, you know up in the airs as well as you know ndas that i'm sure can't be violated uh for you know people just doing a tell-all and saying everything that was going to happen but yeah uh, yeah long story short um i i think people know sam raimi as sam raimi and he has a signature style and i hope that you know if they're gonna bill him as that ooh, this is a sam raimi movie i hope they know what they're getting into and they know to give him the uh creative freedom to make it his own thing because that's what people go see his movies for i agree with that and also, quick sidestep, uh, only because I read this earlier today. Uh, this is from apparently a baby, uh, BBC Radio 1 interview with Anne Hathaway, but when she came to audition as ca- uh, for Catwoman, she didn't know it was Catwoman. She thought it was Harley Quinn. So she dressed up in the, uh, like Harley Quinn. <laughs> Oh, that's for funny. the audition with Nolan. And midway through, she's like, oh, this is for Catwoman. <laughs> that's really great. Yeah, I was like, wait, what? You dressed up as Harley Quinn? holy crap it's yeah it's a fun time uh all right that's all that's left is one i actually didn't get to tell you this one because this is also last minute surprising uh gdc the game developers conference uh this is more on the game side uh originally i told everyone before it was delayed so it was supposed to already have happened in march uh and it was going to be here in san francisco at the moscone center which obviously like at the time when we were talking about this before it's like, okay, yeah, Ground Zero for San Francisco. That's a great idea. We should probably move it. And they did. And they had originally planned to do it in August uh, as a summer event from the 4th to the 6th. Still on San Francisco, potentially. Uh, now it has gone full digital. So it is not even going to be physically in San Francisco this time. Uh, so in August, I don't really know how they're going to do it, but they're probably going to just have a bunch of virtual seminars doing like live events where, you know, it's either probably like going to be a live stream like on a game uh streaming site or they just go like i don't know zoom or skype or something and they just do like a mass live event where everyone could just watch through that for different panels and discussions depending on what it is but you know at this point with everything going on they're pretty much saying like better safe than sorry even in like august when things wind down who knows how travel is going to be and still like in a thriving like i mean not thriving but like mega city uh potentially like you don't want to still like have a mass crowd for that and they're still saying like no mass crowds probably till post vaccine. Like that's how long that's going to be it's for that area. Yeah, yeah. The, the biggest statement I've heard in relation to that is, you know, there's a lot of States, you know, I'm in Georgia, uh, Georgia included, uh, you know, beginning Giddy pigs. To- all right. Yeah. <laughs> there's Good luck. A lot, yeah. There's a lot of uh, States that are beginning to open things back up uh, many people, me included would say too early. Um, but, uh, as you know, it's been said by a lot of people, uh, like big event centers are not high on that priority list. 
So yeah, even though some people are seeing this as, oh, it's over, things are getting opened back up. Yeah, like big, big uh, locations like theme parks and event centers and anywhere you're going to have massive crowds of people, like just by nature, that stuff's yeah, it's going to take a long time. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I assume it's going to be the, which EDC, it's probably going to be something of like a, like a Nintendo treehouse style, you know, just massive live event. Yeah. So that is it for Corona news or Corona related news now we're getting finally into the normal stuff we're gonna actually <laughs> flip things around normally we start with the game stuff and we work into movies tv afterwards uh we're gonna just run through movie tv stuff first just because uh the game news is a little bit heavier i would say uh first up uh this is actually i never saw this coming because uh they're making a tv show for based on the game brothers in arms uh which is a franchise made up of three different games that covers a uh, bunch of soldiers from the 101st uh, from the uh, from D-Day all the way like the the midnight uh, you know paratrooping on uh, right before D-Day all the way through uh, I believe the third one was Operation Market Garden uh, the first two take place during D-Day though uh, what's interesting to this is uh, it's still it's being adapted by Gearbox uh, the company that has developed the games like the game company itself and <laughs> Randy Pitchford, the magic man, will be, yeah, (laughs) he'll be the executive producer, but the showrunner, or at least I think who is known as a showrunner is going to be Scott Rosenbaum. And the, uh, it's also being worked on by Richard Whalen, which you'll know him. So this is ironic. So, uh, before I go further with the cast or like the people working on it, the, the thing about brothers in arms was it was almost like an adaption of band of brothers. Uh, that was like what it weighed heavily on. Just like you, uh, people like there. I think Spielberg had like some influence on Medal of Honor: Allied Assault, which took a lot of influence and vibe from Saving Private Ryan. Uh, Brothers in Arms did the same thing from Band of Brothers, the HBO miniseries. And uh, now, what's kind of funny is uh, Richard Whalen, who's going to be working on it worked on band of brothers and they're like hey you should work on this he also worked on the first yeah right he also worked on the first uh captain america movie uh they also have uh the producer from the assassin's creed movie uh jean julian baronet i hope i said that correctly (laughs) or i guess baronet your guess is because mine man (laughs) yeah and then uh uh, gearbox's uh chief business officer sean heron uh so this all comes from uh an ign article by matt perslow but uh, the whole thing is, it, this is interesting because their Gearbox is going full full like movie right now. Uh, Eli Roth is already going to be directing their Borderlands film that they're having, but now there's a Brothers in Arms movie happening. And the whole thing with this too is that there's a short synopsis. The show will follow a team of eight soldiers on a mission to rescue their colonel from the Nazis before they discover the D-Day plans. It will explore both Allied and Axis sides of the war and feature characters based on real people from the period. So, it it's not obvious. It doesn't seem like it's the same as the first two games that take place in that time zone, which was uh, Road to Hill Thirty and Bound in Blood. Uh, I think it was Bound in Blood. Uh, maybe that was a Call of War as title. I can't remember. Shit, it's been so long. That was like PS Two, I think, when it came out. So it's it's been quite some time. This has been and, a long running series, yeah. And it it's a series that was supposed to have more, like the end of 
Hell's Highway, which was the one that takes place in Operation Market Garden, came out on uh, PS3 and 360. Uh, it hinted at them, because it's following the 101st, next suit would be the Battle of the Bulge in Belgium. They would be in, like, Baston, that area. And I was... This was actually one of my favorite series going through, like, the PlayStation 2 as a kid, like, loving, loving it on PS3. I remember I got the Collector's Edition. I was so excited when they were like, hey, we're making a third one. And then they teased it with such a cliffhanger saying, hey, how do you like snow? And it's like, oh, Battle of the Bulge, right? And then they never came out with it. You, uh, Borderlands came out shortly after. And then they teased uh brothers in arms uh furious four i think it was called yes and I, it was, I was actually about to mention that i have the wikipedia page open for Fu- furious four. <laughs> oh, perfect <laughs> so that was like a it was like they said hey let's do borderlands with brothers in arms but make it like inglorious bastards yeah and it looked interest I'll, I'll say it looked interesting and part of me was like oh that looks really fun the other part of me was like where the fuck is my historically historically accurate game that covers, like, an area of the war that I'm really interested in, like, just kind of seeing play out from a game perspective. And it's just, like, you never hear from about that again. And then eventually Furious 4 gets canned and reworked into, um... What was that game it's that failed ba- miserably? Battleborn. Battleborn, yeah. yeah. And then it came out around the same time as Overwatch, and that was, like... That was a killer. You gotta saw how well that went, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. it's interesting, because just like you said, literally, here I got it on the wiki page, um, yeah, it's it was going, Furious 4 was going to be a part of the Brothers in Arms series, but then they started to split it into a different intellectual property after negative fan feedback during its reveal, um, and finally, yeah, it was cancelled uh, in July 2015, and a lot of the elements were just recycled into Battleborn, which ironically also failed. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it, it man, it, it just sucks too. Cause it it's weird. It's like afterwards, uh, Gearbox went on like a weird, what would you call it? I guess like a hill that just goes up and down a lot. Yeah, big hit or miss. People love their Borderlands games. It's like now what they are known for, and that's like they they go, we can't make, we can't not make this. This is what makes us the money. Uh, but on the other hand, like you have games like Aliens, Colonial Marines. You know how well that went. <laughs> Uh, Duke Nukem Forever, I think they bought the property rights to Duke Nukem, and they made Forever just kind of like, hey, we're getting this old-ass 14-year-old developed game out there, and it was more of a, it was kind of like, it doesn't matter if it's good or bad, just get it out, so then you can take the property and develop new from the ground up IP for Duke Nukem from there. And we still haven't seen what the fruits of that labor is or if it was worth it for them to do that property. I know a bunch of people bought it, but it was like, I remember I actually bought and played forever and I just remember playing it and I was like, this really has aged horribly in terms of like, just like the even as me, as someone that I love like dumb raunchy shit sometimes, but this was, I was just like, this doesn't, this just doesn't fit today anymore. I'm sorry. And you can just tell that they, they took something that had been pre-existing for so long and yeah, just kind of slapped like a modern coat of paint on it, but didn't change. Yeah. Like the writing or the storytelling in any way, not to say that that's what Duke Nukem is known for, but it feels, yeah, it feels dated. So uh, for Duke Nukem, the way I think that could be revamped is they still do some of that same humor and stuff, but they really find a way to make fun of it. 
So they'll do like one of the normal things to be like, hey, I've uh, blah, 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 something offensive. <laughs> and then you have someone that just goes, the fuck are you talking about? And just do something where it just has actually Duke in game stuttering, going, oh, what are you talking What do you mean? And just like have him second guess stuff where it's like just more of like on a funny level of just like someone's actually just giving Duke shit or like basically making fun of him uh, mid game, like just breaking that kind of wall. I think that would be kind of funny or cool. I don't know. I could be yeah. completely wrong. Or you could just kill the franchise entirely and just be like, you know, we're just done with this. Uh, Bulletstorm's the closest thing now. Fuck it. Yeah, pretty um, much. I-, I would think that um, you... Yeah, like what you're saying, like make every other character like play it straight except for Duke Nukem, um, which would be really funny for him to like throw out quips that are supposed to be funny and like just nobody finds him funny. <laughs> but yeah. uh, like... like the oh, just like have people in the game just looking at him like... Oh yeah, like in game. You suck! Like, That's not funny, dude. <laughs> we should, yo, you sure uh, want to hire this guy? To... <laughs> like, you really want to save the world? What about that? They just hire. They say, well, "Isn't that that space for Marion that's also available?" No, don't take him, please. I, I need this job. <laughs> just like Duke's been, Duke's been living off of a uh, uh, unemployment for like a decade now. That'd be that'd be a great storyline, I think, guys. I mean, the other thing they would need to do is make sure it has really good gameplay, because I think that's the other thing that. Um everybody's praised about doom eternal um is just how tight the gameplay feels like it's it's a true um you know old school fps uh in just like sped up you know for for a modern age and uh it it has that early like i guess you can compare it to like um early quake syndrome basically where it's sort of changing the face of how people look at shooters of the of the era uh, where it's it's more strategy based and um, you know quick thinking versus like you know Call of Duty that's like a cover shooter. Uh, I feel like Duke Nukem would have to reinvent itself in that way and compete with what Doom has become because just on humor alone, people won't probably stick with something like that. But yeah, for the moment, it sounds like it's just going to be abandoned. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. It, like <laughs> that wasn't even part of the news, but you know, it's just, like it, we still get off topic even with a new host, guys. Isn't that great? Yeah, uh, I'll ramble about. <laughs> Blown. Uh, but yeah so brothers in arms real fast before we go on to the next one it i'm curious to see now if they're making a show and we haven't had a game since like 2000 and 2008 i want to say was uh when uh hell's highway came out i'm curious because they uh what's his face randy pitchard has said before like Matt Baker's story isn't finished yet which Matt Baker was the sergeant he was the protagonist of the first and third game uh, for Brothers in Arms, so I'm curious, like, when this show comes out, either before, during, or after, you could potentially have a fourth game finally, and that could be their next title after Borderlands 3's many DLCs or Jeez. something else, like, yeah, who knows, because they're going to be supporting that game for a while, I'm pretty sure. The number of DLCs in Borderlands genuinely frustrates me. Like, I, I'm sure I'm, I'm one of the few people who feel that way, but uh, even I haven't somebody- even finished the base game yet. I, I I haven't even played it. Um, I I really loved Borderlands too, but uh, it's yeah. fun. Yeah, it's like the the number of DLCs even in that was it was just straight up goofy to me. I was like, give me like three good DLCs, but they put out like you know six or more, however many they put out, and uh, and they're all like um, really really long, which is great. I'm glad it has that much content. But as somebody who was a completionist about those games and and always wanted to like 100% them, it, it got to this point of just like. Uh, it's just a, an exercise. It became a chore. 
yeah well and also it's just like an exercise in futility i'm realizing that like unless i want to dedicate my year to borderlands i'm never gonna 100 percent all the dlc as well like it's just not a possibility um and it's sad because it means that i have to like just i have to pick and choose um which is a huge shame because it's just it's like there's too much it's content overload it feels like at times with the just how much extra content they support content overload that sounds like me every day holy shit <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, okay. what's the next Next up. Alright, so we got a Hellraiser series coming to HBO. And it's being scripted by Mark Ver- Verheiden, uh, who worked on... Uh, hang on, I have to double check this guy. He worked on... Battlestar Galactica and Daredevil. I don't know if it's... I think it's Netflix Daredevil, right? Is that Netflix Daredevil? Okay. I would have been even happier if it was Ben Affleck Daredevil. That would have been... Really? No. And better yet... So, that's cool. But also, Mike Doherty will be scripting as well, which talked about previously, Godzilla King of Monsters, but also Trick or Treat. Which is a great. That's my cult favorite mo- Halloween just, movie. Oh, it's it's, so it's actually one of the the pinnacle Halloween movies you could ever watch for Fantastic. Halloween. It's even got Halloween rules in it. Like it's great. He also did um, uh, Krampus, correct? I still haven't. Yes, but I haven't. I haven't actually. That's that I haven't seen yet. I still have to watch that movie. It's great. It hits that same uh, stride as uh, Trick or Treat. Uh, Adam Scott's in that, right? Yeah, he is. Uh, it's it's much more like straight up goofy uh, in comparison to Trick or Treat because Trick or Treat is a little bit more of like a you know traditional Halloween movie with a little bit of tongue in cheek kind of thrown in, and um, Krampus is like a very split down the middle horror comedy, which I think threw a lot of people off. But uh, it's great, genuinely. Uh, there's very very few complaints I have, and it's mostly just like visual stuff because uh when it uses you know vis effects uh you know me as a vis effects artist i get a little bit picky um and the vis effects you know budget was a little bit lower because they use so many practical effects which is what makes it so great um and uh, i love it so i'm i'm very much uh, in support of him as a writer director definitely and the kind of synopsis or like what what they're talking about for it comes from deadline this it's a uh, quoted as the idea is to create an elevated continuation and expansion of the well-established hellraiser mythology it is by no means a remake but rather assumes the past mythology to be a given uh the series will remain centered on the demonic xenobites and their leader pinhead the xenobites as the site reminds us comes from hell to harvest human souls uh and keep balance between good and evil which um I never watched the second. I don't know how many there are now. I I thought there were three, maybe four. I've only seen the first one. It's personally. Quite a few. I've only seen the first one as well. I think I feel like that could be another watch night for us eventually. Is to yeah. watch a two, three, and maybe there's a four or something. <laughs> we'll have to ask Roman. Probably he'll he'll know he'll know this shit. It, it it does that classic you know horror icon thing, just like with you know uh, Freddy or Jason or whoever, where it just evolves into to kind of sequel schlock. Um, I'm yeah. sure there's some gems in there, but for the most part, yeah, it just kind of keeps going for the sake of going. And then uh, last piece of uh, movie TV news is the adult version of Hellraiser, uh, Goosebumps, <laughs> is coming to, <laughs> coming to TV as well. They're returning. It's coming back. So you're going to have double dogs barking uh, during the intro. Uh, and you know what I'm talking about if you ever watched that show. They like, have uh, two, two women on a billboard turning into sad Michael Jackson. 
Yes, exactly. Just <laughs> 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 like that sound. That's the that most fog sound. That's what I love. Yeah, that sound that they use. But I love that everything else turns into like a scary version of itself. Like the dog gets the glowing eyes and, you know, whatever like the, the G passes over. And I love that the, the woman on the billboard just turns into like a sad meth addict. <laughs> it's really like... Not There's nothing a, sadder than a sad meth addict. I only a, like the happy ones. Her skin gets a little pale and her ha- hair gets kind of like greasy and she looks sad. <laughs> like, and that's all that happens to her. Like, what have I sad. done? Yeah, it's not a monster. It's just a sad woman. Oh, man. But it's uh, it's coming from uh, Neil, a- Neil H. Morwitz. Mortiz. Mortiz, not Morwitz. Uh, he produced the two newest movies that have, like, Jack Black and, and kids that I don't remember the names of. And uh, this is going to be him still producing this live-action series. Who know? It's uh, Sony Pictures Television doing it, as well as a Scholastic, which is... Ooh, Scholastic's dude, like, hey. Hey, hmm? give me more of that OG Goosebumps vibe. Heck yeah. Yeah, I still... I actually... I still have to watch two. I remember seeing... Actually, we were in Savannah when I saw the first one with... Uh, I think it was Bobby. Yes, I, the, I remember. I, I went and watched uh, Crimson Peak. And you we wa- were, yeah, so we watched... No, we watched Goosebumps first before you guys got there. Oh, that's when right. you guys got there, we came out of the theater, we finished, and then watched Crimson Peak. So, like, three of us did, like, a double feature... And you guys just came in for Crimson Peak. Yep, that was it. Yep. All right, so that's it for that. I mean, that, that'll be cool, honestly. I just want to I want to hear more about this. I still, like I said, I need to go watch the second one. Like, that's going to be a... Definitely by October, I'll be watching that, hopefully, oh, I sure. think. And now on to the gaming news, which uh, it's uh, pretty, pretty big stuff. So first off, um, before we get to the date changes, oh, wait, wait, wait. there was a... Two, yes. two, more, two more movie news. Um, oh you do oh, yeah let's two go. more uh one uh, which you mentioned in a text message is the uh all the new little loose promo material coming out for uh, <gasps> oh my god how did i forget that yeah, yes you goof. It's holy crap oh my god <laughs> what have i done <laughs> uh so yes okay okay so i don't know if many people have noticed this but all right if you go on twitter before, at least when like King of Monsters and the other Godzilla movie came out, there was a Monarch Science Twitter account, which was kind of like a ARG alternate reality game account where it gave all these cool uh, tidbits of pictures, uh, image like um, little little snippets of like video, and then like sound bites of the monsters and stuff and cool little things. Like they make it seem like it was a uh, footage from the past or. Uh, just news footage or something, and we haven't seen it in a long time, and it's still not an active account. Like, nothing's been happening with it. But all of a sudden, there's a new account called Apex. Apex Sciences, and it's uh, it's got a description that says contingency and control in a new age of monsters, and has uh, latitude-longitude coordinates, which I haven't actually looked up yet to see where that's located. But it, it, it uh, was made in November 2019, so it's less than a year old. It's only a few months old. Cool thing about it is first it was just retweeting stuff from like uh, the watch-alongs for the Monsterverse movies, like all the specifically the uh, category synopses of each monster. So if you like went on there, Legendary tweeted out all these things that shows like, uh, this is for an, uh, a quick example, uh, they had Rodan. And it says like, oh, description, monarch, monarch description or designation, Rodan classification, Titanus Rodan. And it says like nature, body height, wingspan, behavior. So this is an interesting thing for a lot of them. It says behavior, either destroyer 
or uh, what was the other one it would say? Uh, protector. And then it would say like a range of like what it can cover and it says like unknown normally. So we had a lot of those before and it was like retweeting that. All of a sudden we've gotten three new, uh, actually four, four new pieces of uh, some cool stuff. So actually no five. Sorry, oh, they five. still got. I've I've picked up on two. Um. So the first one was Godzilla has come ashore in the ruins of Jinjira. Our scientists believe he is feeding on trace amounts of radiation that remain in the area. Apex field operatives are being deployed to assess and record the situation. And then it says hashtag Godzilla versus Kong hashtag Apex Sciences. And it actually has footage of Godzilla. This is new and it's footage. Like yeah, new footage, and it looks really cool. Uh, then they go to uh, Apex uh, Arc Record, uh, March 10th, 1964, was declassified to James Conrad and Ma Mason Weaver by Houston Brooks following 1973's Skull Island expedition. Conrad accepted a role with Monarch and remains there to this day, dot, dot, dot. If I remember correctly, James Conrad is the character played by Tom Hiddleston uh, in that movie. So he's like right. the British SAS mercenary. And it shows the kind of the four cave paintings from uh, the end of Kong, or at least something similar to them. Next up, I know, guys, this is like it's, it's this is what the podcast is honestly going to become. Is as this <laughs> stuff progresses, it's just going to be me talking about more and more Godzilla. I know it's like taken over like the past three weeks or so, but it's I'm, I'm sorry, guys, it's going to get worse. Well, the next it's, two are uh, are two Titans. Yes, new So first one is uh, footage of Titanus Scylla. Uh, moving east of New York City following the events of Boston. The Titan eventually submerged into the Atlantic. Scylla has since been spotted in Antarctic waters, having a positive effect on stabilizing ice sheets. So the whole thing with Scylla was that was one of the main monsters that was shown and revealed in King of Monsters. That was the big spider. one of the, I think, five that bows down yeah, to Godzilla, like in that oil field. When you see all those crazy claws come up, that I believe that was Scylla. And honestly, of the monster designs, I'd say that was probably one of the top two coolest ones I saw. Uh, I think that was, was that Miles' favorite one? I think? Yeah, he really liked that one. But uh, so I got to make a comment on this. You may have seen me tweet this, but uh, that particular clip um of uh Scylla is uh clearly an homage uh not intentionally probably just by not intentionally by the studio probably by the artist whoever whatever studio vfx studio they have making these like you know clearly you know they're all like 3d animated clips for promotional material uh an homage to the 2013 film enemy um the, I did not know this. Yeah, this this is a little... I don't even know what that is. Oh, dude. Uh, so this is... They probably did this because Enemy is such an unknown movie. It's a Jake Gyllenhaal movie. Uh, and it is a sort of psychological thriller thriller about a, a, a man who meets his doppelganger. Um, and it's sort of a, you know... you Throughout the movie, you question, is this man sane? Is this real? Is this his long-lost twin? Is this some sort of hallucination? And there's a, there's a big metaphor throughout the movie of uh, spiders as uh, imagery for you know predators and prey and uh it, randomly throughout the movie the film will drop these scenes of like spiders just like looming over this guy's life and there is a shot in the movie that lasts just a few seconds of a giant long-legged spider just looming over the city uh covered in sort of an orange yellow fog 
and uh and then it just goes to the next scene and uh so the, oh and and literally if you go to my twitter account and look i tweeted uh that shot from the movie they look almost identical like it's clearly intended you know to to be very similar and i'm sure that whoever you know did this vfx shot for this you know particular tweet of promotional material was an artist who enjoyed that movie and just chose it as a design reference but i thought that was a really funny parallel because they don't really have anything to do with each other other than a giant spider (laughs) that's honestly really interesting especially because uh that makes more sense now um there was another reveal which i'll save for a second but actually i'll just say it now so there was one, uh, two more tweets, uh, all for one monster, and it said, this is a brand new monster. So, declassified footage of Titanus Amhuluk's escape. Amhuluk may have been inspired, uh, may have inspired the legends of Western culture dragons across Europe. Uh, known for its fog in the legends, Amhuluk is a suspect of the Great Smog of London in 1952. And it actually has full footage of him, like, coming out of it almost looks like a mineshaft, but I think it's like the uh, monarch... Uh, it says Monarch Outpost, uh, 66, and let me see if I could pause it really fast, uh, Man, oh my god, Man Pupuner Rock Formations, Russia, and it, like, shows him flying around, and I did think it looked slightly familiar, but someone, I, like, posted it, and someone was like, yeah, that's based off the design of the dragon from Reign of Fire. I was about to literally say, is this based on Reign of Fire? And I at first was like, nah, they wouldn't like do that. And then now thinking about it, I'm like, oh, these are like homages. And it's not like, at first I was like, they're not going to like just steal from stuff and be like, hey, we want to be less creative and like take stuff. But this is honestly a lot cooler because it's like, hey, you remember that cool thing that was like happening? It's just a bunch of people probably that are working on their own doing the stuff and going like, hey, this would be a cool homage to just kind of like. I'm sure that this is a smaller VFX studio that is not you know necessarily doing any major shots on the film they're probably kind of you know just set on doing these social media posts for now because they need someone to do them and i'm yeah i'm sure that's their design reference like favorite monster films or films featuring monsters and there's one la- they did a reply to that tweet uh that they made it just says uh it looks like almost like a timeline chart it is a timeline chart because it says 1952 the great smog of london baffling me- meteorologists and defying atmospheric physics this unexplained weather phenomenon saw london's streets overwhelmed by huge clouds of air polluted smoke monarch theorizes that the uh beating wings of a giant uh it's like cut off on the right so you can't see it all a giant blank could have created an anti-cyclone that unleashed uh all kinds of pollutants across the city or something like that uh which means if there is a so this is the one thing about this Godzilla there versus is, the smog monster is that what you're saying, oh Kamran? I was actually not whatsoever had to no <laughs> not not what's I was actually gonna say if they have a timeline that like this it's most likely on a website. If there is a website, we just have to find it. I believe and it's gonna be a new ARG that they're doing for Godzilla versus Kong, kind of revealing stuff. And if it's posted like this and I don't see anything else about it, that means no one's found it yet. That's pretty cool. Or maybe the website's well, not up yet. Well, the, I'm not too sure. This Apex account is is pretty uh pretty sparse with you know followers commenting and analyzing. So I'm sure that it, if if they have it out there, it's going to be something that's really uh it's really well hidden. But, yeah, and one thing I talked about last week, I think I was talking about how like you know I'm always busy. I'm like doing 50 million things of like I want to 
play all these games, watch all these movies, everything else. Like it's almost like a whole, I have like a quota to meet of like all the output of just like games, movies, and th- uh, books that I just want to go through. And because of that, I never had time or like the really like to drive to fully go through the ARGs of like King of Monsters and stuff when they were doing all of Now's that. Your chance. Like the fun of so- now is my chance. Uh, better so just because I'd rather make time and just put off other things because. Honestly, like the the feeling, Ty, tell me about the feeling you would get of, let's say you solve some form of online ARG and actually gives you real life coordinates where it might be not be the coolest thing that you find, but let's say you find something that's like hidden and you were the one that found it and like solved this mystery that other people were trying to solve. That'd be amazing. Like, like the, the, that, wouldn't like, that be cool? In your name in like the history books, you know? That'd be wicked. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like those small little things it's the closest you get to like a, a an adventure you'd see from like i don't know indiana jones yeah, or like some a, random movie a real adventure unless you're fighting story. a cartel or something yeah yeah so i that's the feeling i get especially for this because as a someone growing up with the godzilla everything like this kind of brings out a for a childlike like trait in me of just being like oh i gotta solve i gotta do the treasure hunt i gotta figure this out and <laughs> honestly for this kind of thing a kid can't do this like this is this involves research and looking online. Like, who knows what you got to cross reference and things is like made that. I mean, for people like you, Cameron. <laughs> exactly. Like, there's coordinates on here, which I'm gonna take a look at soon enough, and all that kind of stuff. So there's there's a lot you can do with this, and I, I can't wait to get further in. And the more tweets they have, the more I'm gonna talk about it. So Heck yeah. just stay tuned for that kind of stuff. That's how you said you had one more uh, oh, one more piece of news. Real fast one. There's not really much to talk about with this. Uh, probably good because we got a lot of gaming news. But um, uh, LeBron James tweeted out a photo of himself today wearing a Space Jam, a new legacy Oh, the new hat. title. Yes, the new yeah. logo and title. Space Jam, a new legacy. Uh, no other details, but it's just kind of cool to know, like, okay, it is really happening, and he's that's the, that's the logo and title we're working with. This time they're stealing Shaq's powers and his height. Yeah. <laughs> More like just stealing Shaq's height. <laughs> yeah, they're just no, taking no Shaq's height. Watch out, you can't do free throws. I don't know if you know that, Ty. Shaq's yeah, terrible at free throws. I know that about Shaq, at least. <laughs> okay. okay, so moving on to gaming stuff. I don't want to get hung up on Space Jam. Yeah, let's, let's move on. All right, so gaming news. We got three things. First off is there was a massive leak for The Last of Us Part Two. What is that leak? I don't know. Why? Because I don't want to know. I, I do. I won't say what <laughs> yes. it is, but uh, I did I did read up on the leak, uh, and I read some of it. Um, if you want to go through it, yeah, because I know you... I, I've honestly been avoiding most of it, and I was just going to briefly talk about it, but since you know more, basically, gladly have you Okay, so, so there, was, there was a big old Reddit thread on this, um, not in r slash The Last of Us. That is... Uh, that's a hellhole right now. Don't go in there. Um, at least when we're recording this, it's probably going to get cleaned up. But um, there was a, uh, a post on r slash games uh, that kind of summarized the whole thing, uh, as well as there was a 4chan post that was screenshotted that had all the details of the leak. I had some links to some private videos that were of actual cutscenes of the leak to prove that it was real. Uh, this was clearly leaked by somebody on the development team who was disgruntled. Uh, popular opinion seems to think that it's somebody who was upset about you know the crunch time and not getting paid since that's a you know common occurrence uh in the industry and uh basically the the details of the leak without getting into spoilers are it 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 leaks some major like end of story stuff for the last of us 2 and from what i read um it just kind of sets that it's confirmed a lot of people's fears that the tone for this game is going to be like 
almost overly dark by a lot of people's standards. Like the first Last of Us, it, for anybody who hasn't played that, I won't get into the way that ends, but it has a, a very, you know, kind of confusing ending and a little bit of a, a pessimistic outlook on, you know, the events that transpire throughout the game. Um, and it's not so much a directly dark ending. It's more of a, you know, it sort of questions your your own motives as a player and like the character's motives that you're playing as and it, it's really interesting and introspective, and I, it, one of the reasons people like the game so much. It looks like this second game is going to kind of take that to the next level um, with some just really, uh, some people are saying, like, too heavy-handed, uh, like, you know, sort of dark uh, tones throughout. Really? Yeah. It, it, the, from what I read, it, it's just there's there's going to be a lot of brutality. There's going to be a lot of... Um, unexpected moments um specifically near the end of the game and there's going to be some moments that i'm sure they're going to make people shake their heads uh for better or for worse um i I know a lot of people are going after neil Druckmann for this because you know he's creative director on this and um saying like dude you you need to chill uh because you know where's (laughs) chill out bro like people are saying okay here's here's a great comparison um one of the there's a tweet that i saw uh that really perfectly summed up a lot of people's opinions and why they're mad not not whether or not they're right but just like why they're upset there's a little side by side of some interviews with neil Druckmann, um talking about you know the the uh the influence of his personal politics and um you know uh sort of like mental state and uh philosophical positions in the writing of the last of us two side by side with reggie fils from uh from nintendo saying you know we make fun games if it's not fun then why bother like his whole mission statement uh, is to make games that are you know fun to play and there's not really like a, a necessity to write an elaborate story around them and they're definitely polar opposites and people are kind of citing that as reggie is right uh neil is wrong but um that's weird yeah yeah and i don't think that's a correct position to take because uh there's a great quote that i think about a lot by jonathan blow the creator of braid and the witness uh where he said at one point uh during a lecture um a a game can either be fun or it can be interesting if it's not one it must be the other and um i think that holds true because like you know uh with games like death stranding for instance you know a lot of people hate death stranding um because they say it's not fun and they might be right but it is definitely interesting i've never played that game is very yeah interesting, i've never yeah. played a game like it and you know it feels like an experience that you know some people say is, is worth it to make it past that first 10 hour threshold to where the real fun starts you have to get through all the you know just purely interesting stuff and some people say that that's wrong you know games should just be for fun but in reality it's like if it can hold your interest then it's still done its job and it's still memorable. And so I think that that's the hurdle that The Last of Us 2 has to come over. You know, people saying, oh, it's too dark. It's it's too much. And and if reading, you know, the synopses, if, if it's really, you know, going to be what's in the final release of the game, uh, I might agree. But then again, I need to see how it's presented. You know, uh, if, if it's going to still be at, at a level that can pique my interest and really make me think in a good way, in any light, you know, in any light, you know, um, I, I'd say that it's still passable it's still good as a naughty dog game and as a sequel to the the you know oh so great the last of us but yeah that's it that's the long story short um of of the whole you know scenario and and also the r slash the last of us on reddit is terrible right now because every stay away guys don't don't go there it's not that it's it's not the the funny thing is it's it's just ultra moderated like you you, don't, don't don't say anything bad about the last of us in our subreddit about the last of us 
only say good positive things and like it's just funny to go on there and read you know top posts from the past week because it's all like i don't know what's happening but i love the last of us and i love all of you <laughs> it's like it's, the, it's those types of posts like there's nothing but that oh right god now, you know oh man yeah i get that and i do remember um Naughty Dog saying, I forget who, for, I think, it was probably Evan Wells, said, uh, The Last of Us is about love. The Last of Us Part 2 is about hate. I, I could get behind that statement. <laughs> and that was a long time ago, so I'm assuming the way, if, from everything you said, I'm like, okay, yeah, so they're just, yeah, so it's just what I expected. I'm just hate, because, I mean, obviously, The Last of Us Part, The Last of Us, I'm now saying Part 1 now, jeez. Uh, the Last of Us, uh, had a lot of portions that were you were just like holy shit this isn't a game and because it was so adult and stuff you'd find it in a film or tv show which is why i loved it so much because they finally they moved that threshold going hey we're gonna raise the bar here in this particular way not necessarily of gameplay but just of narrative and story and characters and really just like you're really you're going along here you're not going this is so much fun i'm surviving and everyone's dying and oh my god it's man is that, is that nolan north and then you're just like uh wow it's like the payoff of just watching their journey like making their journey happen is like holy shit so knowing there's another one that's just like oh this is this get you know it gets worse dude um it just honestly i'm not sad or angry about that kind of outcome i'm more so looking forward to being like yeah give me more real shit dude do it like just keep bringing it out and i'll wait and hide from every uh potential leaker that tries to hit me up i'm just not gonna i'm gonna avoid it at all costs and if i do get spoiled then i'll I'll find them and I'll use my <laughs> set of skills to take care of them. No kidding. Uh, I, I don't think you'll get spoiled because the funniest thing is, um, like, when I heard there were spoilers and I was like, well, let me go looking, you know, for information about the spoilers for research's sake. It was honestly harder to find those spoilers or even info about those spoilers than anything. People have been taking them down, like, ravenously. So uh, it, it's honestly harder to get spoiled than it is not to get spoiled at this point. Um, not to mention mm. every single upload link that I've, I've found for where the, the actual leaks of the cutscenes are, um, the, they're all taken down. Even privately hosted links like Naughty Dog's uh, going, you know, balls to the wall with like getting those, you know, erased. Uh, even like streamable links like, uh, you know, the the site streamable.com which is like a private link hosting site for like you know videos um yeah even that's like getting stuff taken down which i, I haven't really seen before um so yeah it, i i i bet if i even went like searching as hard as possible to find that video i doubt i could find it um much less you know they're just initiating a medusa protocol anyone that's seen it's turned to stone yeah like it, I, I like that even the people who have seen it are, are kind of in agreement that it's not worth showing um so, that's good yeah it's i'm glad that that is the consensus everyone's come to since it's such a huge game but uh yeah that's that's the long short of it i hope that it's good i hope that it's presented in a way that's like appealing in the moment because I, I think that when you see these spoilers for something that's at the end of a like you know like a like a 30 plus hour like however long this game is going to be for the campaign um like bare minimum it, it, it it's it's like somebody's shouting out like the end of like a movie like that you have no concept of like you you have to play through it to actually experience I mean, that's the journey 
and get to that point. That's like, uh, remember when they did Avengers Infinity War spoilers without context? And it was all those random pictures of like, it was just like Squidward, a donut, <laughs> yeah, and a bunch of other stuff. It's a little bit like that, except you're getting a real spoiler, but like, you don't know why. And I, I think that's yeah. it. So yeah, so hopefully it's presented in, in an appealing way. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's it. Yeah. And speaking of Last of Us Part 2, we actually, so we're actually, hopefully you can last out because it's coming sooner rather than later now. So uh, remember, originally it was supposed to come out at the end of May. Last of Us Part 2 was going to come out May 29th, and then they delayed it indefinitely, which meant it could come out whenever, like, it do who knows when, really, because they didn't want it to release with a small amount of people that can go access. They want the widest audience to access this game which means like probably printing and making sure all the discs are still like made besides buying it digitally. So not necessarily going to a store and buying it, depending on how things look uh, and the data I'm about to say, but more so with like, there's enough now to ship everywhere because they do, Sony has their own direct uh, selling platform now that I've even used myself and uh, they have it for, actually did I, no, I got my Last of Us stuff on Amazon. But yeah, Amazon and uh, Best Buy Online, Target Online, GameStop Online, things like that. Uh, so we had Ghost of Tsushima coming out on June 26th. And we were wondering if that would be delayed or not. And it is. So, but partially for the creative, just like making sure everything's polished and everything else. But they're also working remotely, which, you know, does delay things. Uh, but it's not that bad. So the release date is now July 17th. So it's pushed back one month, which isn't too bad. But also the reason they did this was, if you noticed before, it was a month after The Last of Us Part Two, exactly a month practically, that Ghost of Tsushima was going to release. Now that is still the case. So The Last of Us Part Two has been given a release date of June 19th. So instead of end of May, end of June, it's mid-June, mid-July for these games. We're going to be getting them pretty soon. Like now, you do, the way it's not bad for Ghost of Tsushima being like a month later, because now we have The Last of Us coming in just a month and a half. Which also means, Ty, that the most important thing, I now have a month and a half to get as far <laughs> through my backlog as possible Same. before this fucking game comes out. And I'm just like, oh, you know what? I was... Uh, it was, it's, it's a whole thing because I'll actually talk to you about it, um, right after our next piece of news, because thinking about these release dates and then the next thing that's about to be talked about really made me rethink what I was about to do with like my current backlog area. So <laughs> Ty, do you know what was, uh, what they, what, what has finally been revealed today it, earlier this morning? Oh wait, earlier this morning? Okay. So, okay. So yesterday. Yesterday there was a Twitch live stream oh, of the trailer. Uh, base was it Base Logic? Is that his? Yes, ba Base uh, Logic. And today was the trailer. Yes, yes I did. So watch Base Logic did a uh, Photoshop rendering, like Photoshop. Uh, how would you call it, Ty? You're, you're more suited. It was to this. like a Photoshop painting. Uh, it was key art uh, painting. So okay. It was the it was the key visual for Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Their new upcoming assassin's creed game which they did take a year break it was odyssey came out in 2019 or no 2018 yeah 2018 and then there was nothing for 2020 or no 2019 man i'm just losing my mind uh 2019 had nothing and now 2020 
they have announced for release date of holiday 2020. So basically launching, it, seem, it seems like it's going to launch as a launch, uh, uh, with the PS5 Xbox Series X uh, launches and kind of more solidifies these consoles coming up still for the holiday and not being delayed unless like things get much worse to the point where everything gets a full overhaul. But it's Assassin's Creed Valhalla. We got a trailer this morning, a cinematic trailer. So the art reveal was to reveal the time and day of the trailer. And it's a full cinematic, kind of like the ones they've had for every single game. And it is, Ty, was it like a, a 1000 AD about, I think? Yeah, it is uh, Vikings versus uh, European Knights. Um, and it's, it, it the cool, this is, okay, so this is the really cool thing. This is like pre-medieval feudal era that's like 1300s you know you get more to the crusades and stuff like that that's 300 years later this is ty if you i don't, I don't like uh, if you follow like kind of king arthurish lore for certain parts uh not necessarily like the main like knights of the round table stuff but more so like uh i guess certain aspects where they go yeah it's a bunch of roman guys that uh got left behind like it, the roman empire left britain and after the Roman Empire left Britain, that's when the Anglo-Saxon, like, Vikings and came in, and there was, like, the Celtics to the north and stuff like that. I, that. I think that's pretty much, like, this era. So you're seeing the exit, you're seeing the beginning of that kind of English medieval time, like, era, culture, but it's at the very end of the Roman Empire, which is what's really cool. Yeah, um, I, I like the concept of you're kind of seeing Arthurian lore potentially from the other side. Um, it, since, since it's, it's true. Usually the Vikings are portrayed as like villains in many forms of media, and it's like, oh, it's these up to these Britons to basically defend them and everything else, or defend the people from them. Yeah, well, they definitely do a good job of, you know, the, the voiceover uh, sort of <laughs> saying, like, these savages, you know, coming to destroy our lands and then it just it intercuts that with footage of like the viking families playing with their children um so it's definitely intended to make you sympathetic to them uh something that definitely gets me thinking that potentially this will include some arthurian lore is um there's the shot of the uh main character in the trailer looking back during the battle and he sees a, a cloaked figure that transforms into a bird and he says, uh, Odin is with us. Odin is with us. Which yeah. is clearly in reference to Odin's ravens. Um, uh, H- uh, Hugin and, and Munin. Um, but uh, I like the idea that that could potentially be Merlin. Merlin. Um, because I, yes, in, I did. I was like, yes, that's what you're talking about, right? Because in, uh, in Percival in prose, he turns himself into a bird. And uh, I was like, oh, I love that concept that, you know, he mistakes it for, for o- Odin's, ravens, uh, Odin's ravens, but it's not. <laughs> And I, I want to, so, okay, so here's the thing. I, I think people know by now. Uh, I was, I like, I, Assassin's Creed is one of my favorite, like, it's, currently it's one of my top five franchises of, like, ongoing stuff still that's, like, churned out and everything else. I love having history, just playing through history, but I also love that it's, like, alternate history, like, secret alternate stuff. And, like, the Ezio trilogy and whatnot still remain, like, my top favorite kind of thing because also... I've only played up to Syndicate. Like, I've been really behind on my full backlog to the point where, like, even all these Assassin's Creed games kind of got pushed back for me. And I got through Syndicate, and I just recently played through the Ezio Trilogy, which in a future episode, like I said, I'll talk about once I'm able to really, like, they're adding up the amount of games I can talk about on this show. But uh, coming up, like, when I'm currently in 2016 in my backlog, 
Uh, when I get to 2017, I'll finally, finally be able to touch Assassin's Creed Origins and kind of see how crazy different it is because I've heard basically it's gone full RPG now. It's not like sandbox stealth game uh, with assassinations and whatnot. It's just like much more open world leveling and things like that. And Odyssey expands upon that. It's in, apparently even bigger because some people are like, it was really cool. And it's like, yeah. And it's like, yeah. And at a certain point, I got really tired because it was so big that I just got fatigued. And I was like, oh, that sounds all right. I guess I'll see what happens. But um, not playing those yet and not knowing, I guess, how this also ties into, you know, their post, uh, their, their modern story oh, that's been going on. post Desmond Miles. Uh... <laughs> I... Yeah, because have you, have you been keeping up with no. that? Because I at least know, like, from four through syndicate what they've they done in my opinion and I'm, i know i'm probably in the minority because a lot of people still support the whole abstergo plot line but um I, I i'm vaguely aware of where it's gone but in my opinion uh the it should have died with desmond miles and every subsequent game should have just been a you know snippet of history that anybody who's not familiar with assassin's creed could pick up and play because i feel like they've raised this bar for entry um, so high that it's now got this like Marvel Cinematic Universe level of like entry knowledge that you must have about the Abstergo plotline that they do not advertise with any of their games. Like I, I actually assumed that they killed that plotline off long ago and then learned that it's still in all the games. Um, and so I, th I think a lot of people yearly get confused by Assassin's Creed when they pick it up and they see that they have to know what this thing is from previous games and, and they don't, you know? Um, so I, I kind of wish they would just cut that out just for the sake of like picking up new fans. But um, I, I've not kept up it's, with it. It's, it's hard to say, especially because I feel like each game they could either do or just like, honestly, you could probably just go on YouTube just like for most other things, like just find like a current events recap of Assassin's Creed in general. And they'd probably run you through the entire thing and like, honestly, you could probably do it in five minutes, really. I mean, to be honest. I, I'm sure it's and, just one of those things that like Desmond is, he, he feels like, such a like a, a bygone character like something that's not intricate to the plot anymore and it, it just makes more sense to me from like a company perspective if you're going to make a series that's like got yearly entries or bi-yearly entries it's like oh why not make it something like call of duty where like you've got a couple games that interconnected but you know eventually you just stop the uh the plot where it is and uh and and start anew so that you can get a whole new audience because i feel like people going in and being like what is a shadow company time travel freaking dna Wait. memories like what <laughs> i just shadow Comp oh you're Ab talking about abstergo, abstergo shadow yeah, yeah, company? Yeah, yeah. Well, okay i was like wait there's a company called shadow no company. no yeah yeah <laughs> i was like, like what is a, this a are these pmcs what's like, going on does like brain time travel where it sends you back in time in your own head like what like i feel like that's gonna throw off so many people and who's this desmond character i've never seen him so um made sense to me no but like <laughs> uh, it's it's weird so I, I followed it at least as much as I could. So it, they made it very clear and concise with the Desmond story, which which goes from one through the entire like three Ezio games yep. to the third title that's called like three. Yes, because uh, basically you could just count the Ezio games as like what it's like that's in the realm of two, and so it's like really a trilogy of that full thing when you look at Desmond, and it it does end like I mean spoilers guys it's oh, like yeah. twenty twelve sorry he, but just he dies. He, he dies at the end of it. <laughs> And it, it gets into weird, like, the, the, the world is, like, made by these godlike people, and they all died, and there's, like, only, like, two or three left or something, and you let one loose, it's, like, the kind of, like, chaotic bad one, sort of, but it's done to save the world, because it's 2012, they do, like, the full 
2012 end of the world thing with like a sun flare, solar flare or something. And so you're like, what the hell happens after that? So then they do like four and you're actually working at Ubisoft, which is owned by Abstergo. <laughs> the whole thing and you're making... feels contrived. Like they could have so easily cut it right there. That was such a clean yeah. cut that could have been made. Oh, Desmond died. We wrapped up his storyline, the whole end of the world thing fixed done that is the perfect time to make this a yearly franchise that has you know uh games that are just all separate entities that take place in the same universe but have no strong interconnective tissue but then they just open the game with abstergo again and assume that you've kept up yep. with these you know at this point it's uh like a five sean and lucy no sean and um rebecca i want to say sean and rebecca yeah, yeah. so the, it's crazy because it's too when, when you go through the Desmond trilogy, there's four to five technically main characters. Like, through the first few games, it's, like, him, this girl, Lucy, who's, like, it seems like is the other main one until she dies as well. And uh, these two support, like, they're literally, like, your tech support people is Sean and Rebecca, and then, you like, Desmond's dad later on. And through it all at the end, it's just his dad, Sean, and Rebecca that survive. And through, at least from what I've played, so it seems like you're playing the same person i could be wrong but i think you're playing the same character uh it's like your own character in in uh black flag unity and syndicate like they're all connected and uh you're secretly helping sean and rebecca like they sort of recruit you and tell you the truth and stuff so you're like helping them on the backside. and it does have interesting cutscenes with them which uh, syndicate it even ends with like them having i think one of the assassins from one of the comic series come in who's like this cool, I forget what the woman's name is, but she's like this kind of uh, tall, blonde woman that I, can't, I honestly can't remember, but she was like European, I think. She had like a special, uh, she had a specific accent. And they do like a whole fight with some Templars that you don't really know too much about except in that game. And I don't really know where they go from that with like Origins and uh, Odyssey. And I'll find out once I play through it myself, but I, I it, it is confusing because it does get to a point where you're just kind of like, I don't know what direction they're trying to head into with it. Because I do remember them, I think, trying to get, like, a piece of Eden in Syndicate. But it, it's honestly, like, I even need a refresher myself. For someone that played them all, it, uh, uh, it's it's kind of <laughs> That's exactly got me point. confusing. <laughs> they also did, I will say, they introduced a third faction. So you have, like, Assassin's Templars, and then they brought in, do you know about the Sages? I don't even know if we should get into it. Like, <laughs> this is such a rabbit Yeah, they, real real short real short uh it's like a third faction that's actually like the the special god people is like a descendant of them or something but they keep reincarnating so they start him off in four and he's like in the pirate days he dies he same guy comes back in modern day in four uh in the real time stuff i don't know if they further those characters because they're not in uh unity or syndicate but I don't know if they continue with that kind of thing in the later stuff either. But they like introduced that, which made things even more complicated. And then you're like, I don't know what the fuck's happening right now. So it's, yeah, it's hard to say. I, I, I'm hoping when I play Origins and Odyssey, I, I'll see if it's gotten better or if it's gotten worse. Cause I, I am personally curious as to how it's going to go. But yeah, it's, it's, I'm just curious really like for just Valhalla in general, because it's made me want to speed up personally i'm like okay not not to mention like it's okay if i can't get through my whole backlog before last of us before ghost of tsushima and cyberpunk but i can at least get through most of them 
I need to make sure I'm caught up at least all the way through 2018 before Valhalla because I want to have Origins and Odyssey well done to a point where I'm not fatigued by the time this comes out, but also like I'm just like ready to go with it. Like I'm pumped for it. I'm not like behind again like years with this game. <laughs> Instead, I can get it day one. I feel you. You know? Yeah. And uh, go, actually, you want to say something fast before I continue that rabbit no, hole? No, really I was going to say shut up about Assassin's Creed. We're going to go on the next thing. <laughs> okay <laughs> i'll just say real fast <laughs> real fast not kidding, related to but... that but like uh, i actually would love your opinion on this so ty recently uh i'm in my 2016 area of my backlog for ps4 and i still got like ratchet and clank the campaigns for like titanfall 2 uh battlefield 1 and uh rise of the tomb raider uh i've that was the year all those remastered collections came out for Bioshock, Assassin's Creed, and um, Uncharted. And I already ran through Assassin's Creed and Uncharted. But playing Uncharted, I ran through them on hard and then felt so good about them. I was so tempted to be like, oh, I could just go back and platinum these, platinum these again like I did with the PS3 ones. And then I started getting that feeling before I even loaded up Bioshock. Because I remember, like, I went through 1 and 2 to the point where... Did you remember 2 had a multiplayer? Oh, yeah. I never did it, but... Uh, I, I got it. to the max level to platinum it. Oh, my gosh. It. What the heck? I was always MVP top of the leaderboards because I played that game religiously just to get that trophy. And I was like, I don't even understand this game. I'm playing as a fisherman, and I kill everyone. And I don't know what's fucking happening, but I did it, and it was yeah, done. you played as, it was like, the uh, only time I did splicers. Yeah, it's like on the New Year's Day event that happens when they're all the like the Civil War breaks out and yeah. everything else. Um, but I'm, I'm at this weird crossroad where I'm like, okay, I could go and platinum these games that I have already done and like basically gone through, or I can just like at least say I'm done with the Uncharted trilogy that I already just went through, run through Bioshock on normal and just enjoy it and just like get the audio logs maybe and that's it, just to hear that stuff again. And then continue on, go through like two and infinite and continue through that year just to kind of finish things off. Or do I delve deeper and do that inner completionist of me and be like, I want to just at least for this trilogy and stuff, uh, go full hundred percent and just complete everything in it. I, I say play for fun. I mean, I'm in the Reggie camp. Uh, I agree with Mr. Reggie. If the game is fun, play it for fun. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm. But especially speaking on like a timetable that I'm like, I, I'm making myself being like, all right, I want to have, I want to feel like I'm not feeling rushed when Last of Us comes out or things like that. Like I have a bunch of stuff done, so I feel good about I it. I say get done what you got to get done and then play stuff for fun. I think that's just the mindset that I'm in right now with the whole lockdown and everything. I'm trying to just enjoy myself and not stress myself with like turning video games into work. Um, I, that's just my personal opinion. You don't have to take it, but uh, I that's that's where I'm at. So I, that's what I'd recommend. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I do appreciate that. Just because, yeah, it's, it, it was a very, very, like, I was actually stressed for, like, one, for, like, two hours where I was like, I don't know what to do. I can't believe this is the <laughs> toughest choice of my life in this quarantine. Which I will say, the massive amount of games, Todd, that I have completed in this quarantine is, it's like I've never been as fast as I have been now. And it's been amazing. And then Destiny made new content. And I was like, fuck. Okay, fine. I'll play a little bit more Destiny. All right. Enough of that. That's it. No more news. We're done. We have one last thing we wanted to talk about. Uh, unless you got you got time for this one, Ty? Let's let's speed through. What's our last thing? All right. Shin Godzilla. Shin Godzilla. We just watched Shin Godzilla. Uh, it was actually 
I was I almost said it was only my second time seeing it, but that's not true. I've watched it on Blu-ray a bunch of times. Um Right? Yeah. Uh maybe the like I hesitate to say like the best, but just like on a technical level, as a movie, as a film, maybe the best Godzilla movie. <laughs> like I did I so I've talked about it last episode a slightly a bit where when you look through there's over thirty Godzilla movies. And yeah, we've seen them you all. Look at them, you and like, I both watched all. I, Ty was there, so at school we did a thing every Sunday. I put on two movies of Godzilla for them, a double feature. Basically, I went through the full chronological order of like release date for all of these movies, and we even went through the American ones, including '98. And there were just like two we skipped, and then like watched later on. But like, uh, even I made them guys. I made them watch Godzilla's Revenge. Like, if you know that movie, <laughs> holy shit! Like, come on. Uh, with those movies as a whole, as someone that loves Godzilla to death, I looked at them like, I've always said there's a difference between watching a movie and watching a film. This is a film. The way to find a film, yeah, a film is like just, you know, that's really, it's not just like a blockbuster flick, you're just watching it for a good time, you're going like, wow, this really emits a great message, it has such a high form of quality that just completely puts it in a di- it's not even like comparing it to a movie, but it's just a different category, honestly. And majority of the Godzilla movies, basically all but two, are in that camp of movie, whereas the only ones that I would dignify, or not dignify, but basically categorize as a specific film would be 1954's original and the Shin Godzilla 2016 movie, because each one, like the other ones are all about monster battles and all that fun stuff, and I love that, I do, more than probably most people in this world. But these two tackle specific events in true life that they couldn't really emit in another way because one they'd get in trouble with like american overlords and shit like that but <laughs> You're uh, right. it was a great way to put it through an art perspective of just ex- the 54 addressing the hiroshima and nagasaki bombs from world war ii but also the further american testing of nuclear weapons in the uh, bikini atoll and things like that and then further with uh, 2013 uh, 2016's uh godzilla, shin godzilla addressing the 2013 fukushima disaster and those kinds and, of things, uh, and which is why they yeah, are so the, special. Quick and tsunami, and uh, in 2011, I think it was sort of a combined yes. like the, because the whole movie is supposed to be this is how the government responded. There were so many because the movie makes a point of showing like the characters in response to Godzilla are attempting to go through all of these channels to like make the right decisions, you know, perform their job as best as possible, keep their jobs, you know, uh, walk up the, you know, proverbial uh, uh, like ladder of uh like government jobs you know everybody's just trying to like outperform everyone and it's just silly how many stupid hoops they have to jump through in order to just do a single all that red yeah, tape, there's yeah. so much red tape go from conference room a to conference room. It, it's the be- you watch them go from one room to another room because now what they're talking about is slightly different that they have to move to another yeah. room otherwise they're still doing the same exact like thing. in order to just like clear a single order they have to they there's literally a shot or multiple shots of characters like playing a game of telephone where one calls another who calls another who calls another who calls a number who eventually calls someone in the main conference room who then talks to the person next to them there's a guy and a woman uh, both sitting next to each other and the man tells the woman what he just heard on the phone, and then the woman tells the prime minister, who's literally right there. Like it, it's, it, it, and people watch it and in reviews they say, "Well, this is stupid." I'm like, "That's the point. That's the whole idea." Like this, this this game of telephone and all this red tape that they have to go through to get to Godzilla is like the entire thesis of the movie, and that's why it's so great. Is the whole time you like 
sympathize with the human characters uh, in their plight. But at the same time, you're like, this is so dumb. I can't believe this is how politics works. <laughs> and the worst part is eventually your noodles might get cold, which is that you don't want that to happen. <laughs> and the cool thing, too, is like the, eventually it, it, they go to the point where they're going. And this is how you do it if you can do it the right way and showing how they would address it and things like that. And then you get into international relationship yeah, issues and certain up. big <laughs> classic yeah which honestly in real life when you think about it you're like oh yeah how does japan do everything now because they still are technically like you know that war state like we're still in germany like we <laughs> these things are still going on we still have bases in okinawa and everything else and it just really made you think about it where you're like oh fuck and then every like also don't build a you know nuclear reactor on a fault line yeah. you know that's also a good it's idea a, it's but, a thinking man's movie uh it really is and the, the not to mention the callbacks to the original 1954 everything from the sound like when i say that i mean like the sound of it uh the footsteps that they have when they first show him uh when his head appears above the mountain in the first one and you just hear the footsteps first and all the people are like oh my god and he's like oh hey what's up i'm a monster dude and uh like that his classic roar even uh some of the music they have the classic like tokyo destruction music from the original and they basically do it for the new way he destroys tokyo because dude i never get tired of watching tokyo to get destroyed it's like it's, it's classic um and it, it happens in almost every single movie so you literally have it being destroyed at least 30 didn't times tear down that pagoda, from the same though. exact monster that pagoda didn't get through down in this one <laughs> <laughs> it's okay it's okay uh, <laughs> Uh, but which is ironic because of how much can be destroyed and what he did in this one yeah. <laughs> considering like fire breath that can reach miles yeah. it feels like and then lasers literal nuclear lasers um and just the classic music that they bring in from his like i said his theme to the military theme uh, which went from like, you know, we have all these like tanks and stuff to instead it's a bunch of uh, subway bomb cars, <laughs> which was great. Oh, yeah. I still love that. Uh, the movie really just, it, it does so much greatness while still re redefining the way you look at Godzilla. Because when you, Tyler, when you first saw that design, what did you think of this character? Like the way he looked, you're just like, what the f- the hell? I, my, my first instinct, which I'm I'm glad was right, ironically with what they were going for, is uh, it looked like he's in pain. He's burned up. Like uh, he looks like he has nuclear burns. Um, and uh, I was like, oh my gosh, he looks like he's dying. Like what the heck is he? Is he literally like melting? And uh, I, that is part of the theme of the movie is that uh, this Godzilla is in constant pain, and uh, it's it's just a big animal. Poor dude, just uh, just wants to live. Like he did, he's a monstrosity, but he wants to live too, um, and that's yeah. the whole theme of uh, the the new big original uh, addition to the soundtrack. Uh, Who will know? Um, which is the sort of which is Godzilla's theme in this movie. Not so much the classic theme, but like this is the song that plays when he burns the city, and um, it's a uh, it, it it's a song that's sung from uh by a choir from godzilla's perspective just about like the torment and anguish that he feels at, at, at all times because he's this horrible like mutant monstrosity um and i i hate that the worst uh, the only the closest thing to uh relate to him is ty unfortunately remember venture brothers i've, I've unfortunately not watched all of venture brothers 
Oh my god. Do you know about the Fantastic Four? Hit? No, I don't. Oh shit. I'm Damn sorry. it. Basically, there's, there's Fantastic Four. I'll just go re- real, real fast. Fantastic Four. Reed Richards is an asshole dude. It's just still stretchy and shit. Uh, Invisible Woman, actually, only her, t- her skin turns invisible. So you still see the rest of her, like her actual, like, meat underneath, <laughs> like, underneath her skin. So it's just kind of scary looking. Uh, the thing is just a giant mongoloid guy that's like, ah! Oh, oh. <laughs> It's the best. Oh my gosh. And he keeps beating people up. And then the best is the flaming man <laughs> who just sets on fire, but he feels all the pain of being on fire. So he's constantly screaming because he's just on fire. That's great. And I'm like, oh, when I first saw it, I was like, Godzilla's, they they made the flaming man into a Yeah, monster. he's the flaming man. Um, <laughs> and, and, oh my, and his evolution, like this is the only movie where he fully does like an evolution. You don't have that unless, like, you count uh, Godzilla versus Destroya, where, like, the volcanic uh, shit that happens between that and Space Godzilla basically makes it so he's going full-on, like, nuclear destruction, and they have to, like, make sure he implodes and melts instead. Yeah, they, they do pull that a little bit with um, some of the imagery in this one, but it's not explicitly stated. But, um... Yeah, it's kind of implied that uh, in this one, if, if left unchecked, Godzilla just will continue to evolve and get bigger and bigger and more dangerous and just leak radiation everywhere. Um, and eventually just tear himself apart, presumably. I mean, literally, it, I don't want to spoil anything, but... Uh, the Just watch it, and then you'll understand when you see the ending. And then you're also when you see that, the amount of chills that will run up your spine because it's the most outlandish... You've never... Like the design, everything from the the evolution forms to the design to this ending piece redefine a lot of the way you see Godzilla because they really make it so it's like how do we bring this back but make it its own new thing? It's it's one of and the best. Kick, kicking off the Raiway era, yeah. yeah, and associating now like I'm used to this monster being. A giant green monster with blue spikes and blue breath. Occasionally green, some movies, sometimes. And then, like, in one movie, like, red and shit, because he's on fire. This one said, what if we made him purple? (laughs) He's great. And it's so, you're not used to it, and you're just like, wow, this is, like, it's just amazing. And it's it's just, it's so, it's so good. It's so freaking good. It's it's insane how ridiculous it is, uh, the way just the way they do it all. It, yeah, for anybody uh, who hasn't seen it, it's fantastic. Um, I don't want to say anything else because it's kind of just worth seeing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anything else in other news? Like real fast. I know we're approaching the two hour mark. <laughs> yeah. No. Wait. It's and it's. Oh God, Ty. It's probably twelve thirty for you, huh? Yeah. It's fine though. I'm I'm good. Okay. Um. Um. I think honestly, that's that's all I got. Really, the only thing would be after this would be um that we're done with news. So just the normally at this point, uh, what we'd be doing is if we had time, which at this point we'd be like, all right, we're done. I'm gonna bum rush. Uh, I'm gonna go super is, fast. <laughs> go go for it. Like I said, like my stuff, it's so much that I it I haven't even I, I do like snippets of it each episode sometimes maybe. All right, but go. I'll for plug it. my I'll plug my recent games. Uh, Animal Crossing. You've been getting an Animal Crossing. You hadn't played before, and we all yelled at you until you started playing. Um, what, what, Ty, can you tell them what my uh, what, what what made me buy it? Oh yeah, you can get a you, you can get a Godzilla in your town. I I straight up took out my Switch, realized I haven't touched it for months, had to charge it, 
then do an update and then buy it and then i was like okay and then i launched into the game and i was like i don't know what the fuck this is yeah but you can get a great Godzilla. Time. you can get a mothra which is great um but yeah it's uh I, we've all been having a great time it's been a great quarantine game for the friend group um recent updates uh red is back in the game the uh the con artist who sells you fake art and you have to discern what's the the real art uh art art history class got me that to take three of those at scad <laughs> and now i recognize Dude, all these paintings. straight up if i if i don't know what these are i'm gonna be angry with myself well, the, the differences between the fake ones and the real ones are very hard to spot although fun thing that somebody's discovered i didn't know this uh all of the the pieces of art that are fake uh a lot of them are haunted um no joke uh if you buy a piece of art that turns out to be fake like you buy it it gets mailed to you you try to donate it um uh, and Blathers doesn't take it. Uh, a lot of them have either, uh, if they're painting, some of them have like ghost images on the back, like like a shadowy image of like a figure. Some of them have like things written on the back of them. Uh, one of the statues I know, if you put it in your house and touch it, it levitates. Um, uh, like what else? Uh, what? One of the fake paintings blinks at you, like its eyes move. Uh, so yeah, that's a weird detail. A lot of the, the art pieces that are not the real ones are actually haunted. Uh, fun little easter egg uh, so sometimes it's worth buying some of the fake ones just to see what they do um which brings to what 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 the hell is this red character doing that is like how is he getting haunted <laughs> art pieces that are not real like what what's the story there's, behind this and i feel how how dark is this how does it uh, go? there's actually a lot of speculation because in the spinoff uh in a happy home designer and i believe also in pocket camp there's some dialogue from tom nook where he says that he used to work for red they were like business partners and uh and he says i don't talk about it anymore not since the incident and that's all he says and i'm like what what happened between tom nook and red because in this game tom nook is like heavily warning like the player character you know to watch out for red like when the update came out like Isabel put out an announcement that was like, please watch out for a shady character potentially, you know, you know, visiting the shores of our great town. Um, so uh, yeah, there's there's some history with Tom Nook and Red, but they haven't gone into it. I, I'd love to learn it, but um, yeah, we don't know. He's he's probably just stealing these. Uh, also, uh, updates. Leaf has returned. Um, who's the little? Is that the shrub? Yeah, the dude? shrub dude, sloth guy. He's great. Um, and Mayday is coming. Right now, it's Mayday. Uh, today's the first. It's past midnight for me. And uh, Rover's back. Uh, you can buy a Mayday ticket from the 1st to the 7th. It'll take you to a special island that uh, has a little mini event on it. And Rover from the original series is back. He's originally the character who would greet you on the train in all the other previous games. But he was not present in this one because you fly to the island. Um, so Rover was the uh, the train cat uh, in, in all previous Animal Crossing games. So it, it's nice that they brought him back people have wondered where he is um okay. everyone said there's a isn't there a special there's like a gopher or something everyone likes oh mr Rossetti. um yeah who's mr Rossetti was in the original game um when autosaving was not a thing and for most of the games when autosaving was not a thing if you made a mistake like you got bad bell prices or, or sorry bad turnip prices and you accidentally bought them or you sold something you didn't mean to sell and you turn your gain off without saving uh, Mr. Rossetti would scold you when you came back to the game, and if you did it too often, he would punish you in some way or another. Um, and uh, he was sort of a, a fan favorite, but now that you know autosaving on the Switch, he's not really needed. So the only presence of Mr. Rossetti in uh, New Horizons is it's implied that he runs the rescue service. Uh, just some of the dialogue sounds like him. 
and so people have kind of made it headcanon that uh, Rossetti runs the the rescue service for when you accidentally like wall yourself off, like you build something and you get stuck in a corner. You can on your Nook phone call rescue, and uh, they'll chastise you just like Mr. Rossetti used to. So it's presumed that it's him. So you're just getting cussed out by an Italian. Girlfriend. Pretty much, yeah. Um, <laughs> From yeah. Brooklyn. In other gaming news, uh, I've been playing Half-Life Alex. Uh, it's great. Highly recommend it. Uh, I've been playing it on an old, like, first-generation uh, Oculus Rift that I stole from my office. Um, it works on it. It works just fine. Uh, it's obviously not the same experience as playing on the Valve Index, but it's still pretty dang good. Uh, very, very much enjoy it. Uh, there's a lot of people who don't like it because it's, like, a straight-up survival horror game, uh, which is... so Yeah, really? yeah, it's straight-up. You have to... Um, you might have heard me say this on another call, but... Uh, you have to actually like pull the clips out of guns, like load shotgun shells individually, like pull back the slide on your pistol uh, in order to like rack around. Like you can also accidentally eject rounds that way. Um, so everything is like manual. Like you have to do everything by hand realistically. It's not like an auto reload kind of game. Uh, and uh, in that way, the game typically puts you in very claustrophobic situations with lots of enemies where you have to do all this like in a second. And, uh, you know, there'll be guys approaching you either with guns or it might be, you know, headcrab zombies or um, there's some new enemies that I won't spoil. But uh, it's it's really high tension. And I love the fact that they're like you're literally like using VR controllers and like fumbling with rounds, trying to put them in your gun to like blast these dudes. Um, and, and the fact that you can also use like blunt uh, objects as weapons and, and like deflectors is great as well. Uh, so it, it's it's a true survival horror game in VR, and it's like got a great story, and it looks great, and it follows in the vein of uh, having like all kinds of sort of uh, like physics based and environment based puzzles, just like the Half Life series has been known for since Half Life Two, uh, and you know the expansions. Um, so it, it definitely feels like a worthy entry to the series, and uh, it, it does have a slight tie in to Half Life Three. Um, it, and I'm it's weird i've said this so many times but i'm amazed about people have not been saying half-life 3 confirmed because uh near the end of the game there is something that very heavily ties into what is potentially going to be half-life 3 uh and it gets me really excited for the future of what valve's going to produce uh in the half-life series because uh this is really top-notch i do um i remember trying to play when i was younger i tried to play the orange box and I tried playing Half-Life 2. I never played the first one, and I was just running through 2, and then I got really bored, and I stopped playing. It's, a uh, Because I didn't understand it back then, too. Like, my, you know, my attention span's probably really short as a kid. And I'm wondering now, do you think I would potentially have the patience for that kind of thing? Because I know it's not... When you look at it, it looks like a first-person shooter, almost, but it's not... It's a lot more, would you say, like, interactive? And yeah, the thing that made Half... It's kind of... Sorry, I didn't mean to catch up. Um... The, no, go, go, the thing that made Half-Life uh, 2 so special, um, and, and I should also say, if you do play it, uh, make sure that you play Half-Life 2, Half-Life 2 Episode 1, Half-Life 2 Episode 2 in that order, because Episode 1 and Episode 2 are the they're, they're the expansion DLCs, um, and they came on the orange box. But uh, What, I need to play Half-Life no, 1? you don't have to. I didn't play Half-Life 1 before I played Half-Life 2. Uh, Half-Life 2, you can read a synopsis of Half-Life 1 in, like, a paragraph. Um because there wasn't much dialogue. <laughs> it was all visual. But what made Half-Life 2 so special is you, you play the opening of the game. You're playing as Gordon Freeman again. You wake up in City 17. And uh, you walk up out of this train station. And there's a combine guard. And he knocks a can on the ground off of a trash can. And he says, pick that up. And 
nowadays that's nothing that means nothing at the time that was revolutionary that was like physics based you know interactivity he knocks it off of the thing you walk over you pick it up using physics and throw it in the trash can using physics and that was like a huge thing at the time because it signified to the player right at the opening of the game hey we're going to basically have you interact with things using physics and the environment and it's not going to be strict you know button puzzles it's not going to be look at this big glowing thing puzzles it's going to be hey look at the world around you you can touch anything that looks like it might have physics on it and that might be potentially a solution to the puzzle that's presented to you so that moment is like such a big okay. moment in gaming, but it's aged so horribly because nowadays every game has, you know, physics-based, you know, interaction with objects. But Half-Life was special because it made you think in really like obtuse ways about how physics works in the world. Example, there's a puzzle that involves in Half-Life 2 that involves you using uh, like floating barrels uh, to like lift a platform uh like barrels like floating in a body of water like like the barrels in jaws um and you it's like a buoyancy puzzle and for the time that was like insane like a a puzzle using the buoyancy of physics based objects in the world what like that's nuts and nowadays that's you know that could be commonplace people don't tend to do it as much because it's not a very obvious answer you have to kind of think um in, in real world terms versus video game terms but that that's what made half-life special you would think in real world terms not not like a video game pretend like you are morgan freeman morgan freeman gordon freeman what am i <laughs> saying morgan, morgan freeman, freeman. I, um morgan yeah freeman. pretend you are gordon Fre- I, I can't believe it it's late i just said morgan freeman um <laughs> perfect yeah yeah that's the that's the idea that's what makes it a special game and that's what makes it such a big you know uh sci-fi game and i think a lot of people tend to forget that um but uh yeah i, I think it's great uh, you don't have to have played the first one the first one is very much like a, a first person shooter of the time that's very like visual storytelling based there's not a lot of dialogue um you could read in a paragraph what that's about and understand uh the second one and everything it has to offer with the expansions and everything Gotcha. And then another question. So you got, you've been doing something that uh, James and I haven't been able to do, which is uh, use a VR headset yeah. and play on that. Uh, for me, like I've said it before, it's not even that I want or don't want one. I, I've said that I don't have the time to think about even having one because I already have enough platforms that I need to like keep up with that incorporating that just doesn't feel like even smart time management to me currently and it wouldn't be something i would get until like farther down the line personally until like i'm over that so i never had the real experience of seeing that in a long term of like owning one but i'd like to like to hear your perspective on like vr headsets so far at least with the games and how you feel like what it's worth to get one and things like that well i'll say i am like I said before, I'm playing Half-Life Alex, a game made for modern VR systems and specifically the Valve Index on a first-generation Oculus Rift, and it still plays fine. Um, it's uh, I, I say if you're going to get anything, uh, long story short, my recommendation is an Oculus Rift. It's definitely the most uh, like home-friendly. Like a Vive is great, but it takes up more space, and you have to mount the cameras on walls or on you know giant tripods, which is just like cumbersome. And the Rift is like, hey, just buy some of these USB sensors, put them on your table, and that's it. Um, and uh, not to mention the, uh, the the Rift has a um, a mobile counterpart. Uh, the I, I can't remember what it's called. I'm gonna say the wrong thing, but the the, the, the Quest, Quest or yes, the the uh, the Quest you can use it as like a wired Rift um, with some you know peripherals. You can kind of essentially get it to work like a regular Oculus Rift, which is pretty cool. 
Uh, like, you mean wireless rift? So, second. You said wired. Yeah, yeah. You meant oh, wireless, wired. Right? No, no. If you oh, okay. uh, sorry, I'm clipping a little bit. Um, if you yeah, wired. If you hook it up to your PC, wired as if it were a um a real rift, you can use it like a real oh. rift, which is pretty cool. I don't okay. know what the I still play because they have, do they have restrictions on different that's games. That's what I'm curious about. I don't know what the restrictions are, but um, I would assume it's very similar to just using a real rift. I've heard Dan's got one, uh, and I've you could ask him about it, but. Yeah, it's um the the Rift seems to be the most like friendly, like the most compatible with like home you know setups, and it, it just works with your PC, um and and there's not really anything additional other than like just hook up these two sensors with USBs and uh, hook in this HDMI cable and you're off to the races, um and uh, it, it's the most compatible across the board because you don't have to use the Oculus Store, you can use Steam. There's a lot of Steam games that are like, you know, across all VR platforms and rift tends to be the the median uh between all of them uh the the one that's like most universally supported which is great um but as far as waiting uh i, I think now is a good time I, I i don't own one own one this is the one from the office that i use for work that was like given to me by the office and will return to the office when i don't have this job anymore but um i, I would say if you're going to get into one don't feel scared to get one now because they're very like backwards compatible or or i guess forwards compatible is the right word um updates tend to support very far back again i'm I'm playing like a first release oculus rift and it works fine um and uh i I wouldn't recommend buying one of those because i'm sure i will run into trouble at some point i already kind of have with like how far the sensor range you know uh works uh which i'm sure they've sorted some you know uh uh some hardware uh bugs with like the more recent versions they're probably a lot more efficient because i've come across a few moments where i've like um very easily gotten out of range of what it can handle but um uh yeah i think now is a good time to get in with just like whatever the most recent oculus is for instance and uh, i think it'll last you a very 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 long time and and even if it it doesn't you can always you know sell it to somebody who who's on the cheap needs a new needs a headset for the first time and get the most recent version um but the nice thing is it, it it's going to be compatible for much longer than, you know, a console will, for instance, because as long as your PC is up to date, it, it should still work. Okay, that makes sense. And then, like, uh, I guess in terms of killer apps, I'm assuming Half-Life Alex is in that camp, but, like, what are there a good amount or are there, like, any really, like, you see a game that you're like, I want this headset just for this game? Uh, that's hard to say. There's some, like, Lone Echo is another one that comes to mind, uh, as a storytelling VR game that I played and I really, really enjoyed. Um, very long form, very much in the same vein of Half-Life Alex as, you know, wanting to set off to give you, like, a AAA gaming experience in a VR headset. Um, but there's also games that are just really, like, mechanically fun. Uh, like, Robo Recall, uh, is probably my favorite just, like, casual VR game. Yeah, I've, I've seen, yeah, I've seen, I've actually played a little bit of that. Yeah, yeah. it's a blast. So, the stuff okay. like that, there, there's a lot of games that have, like, a great game feel for, you know, something in, in VR, but it's not, like, story-driven. So, I think that's the, those are the polar opposites that I, I tend to go to the most. Uh, something that's either got a great story that just happens to be in VR, or something that is mechanically great, or something like Half-Life Alex, which is, like, a great sort of split down the middle. Um, but, uh, yeah, th- I think there's enough titles to warrant it at this point. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, you kind of have to set aside time for it. That is one of the biggest things, is um, making sure that you're, like, interested enough to not just play one game and say, oh, I did it, I'm done, which is why I've not bought one yet. I, I think I'd have to set up enough time to actually enjoy, like, a huge library of VR games. And uh, I'm just kind of getting Half-Life Alex now because I'm in quarantine 
and we ain't using these rifts in the office, so I'm going to take one. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. All right. I think then that's all I have, at least questions for that kind of area from you. Did you have anything else to anything else you got before we uh, close out here? Uh, no, I think that's it. Um, play Animal Crossing. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Well, Ty, it's been it's been fabulous Thank having you, you on having here. Me. I mean, it's weird because you're the first you're the first person that I've that it's just not been the same dude <laughs> I've been doing this with for like how many episodes now? It's like 40, 44. Uh, nothing against James or anything. I'm saying like James and I've been doing this nonstop. Like we've done this together for forty four episodes. But we wanted to keep this streak going. So it's like it's weird having someone else but it's like it's it's nice and easy because it's you and we always talk a lot anyway so it's like very very clean and easy just to kind of go in and out with it but uh, i don't know if uh, just talk about it real fast ty mm. i had an idea i talked about with you yes. before uh after i had already made this podcast but i have always wanted to make a second one kind of more around uh you and me and a few other friends potentially uh, originally, it was two guys that I wanted to have it with, uh, but due to <laughs> uh, potential of not knowing where one of them is at certain points in his life, to because uh, he can be missing or running from police <laughs> at certain points, and the other just kind of having some uh, internet stability issues, it, it's turned more into, hey, what if we were able to do something and have different people rotate yeah. with us? And the plan was to have this podcast more of like, be a specific not really news and everything else, but more, it could be any topic, but just a specific theme of that episode. And we just talk about it until we run out of stuff. I'd to be talk super about. down. All right. So we'll see. Um, I can't promise anything, but it, it, this was a fun also kind of test backdoor pilot, what that would be like just with two <laughs> of us. But the plan of this thing would be like potentially me, you and two other people that could change every week or, or every month. It would be, this would be like a, not a, not weekly, but, uh, something more of like a twice, uh, or once a month type of thing, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, I'll we'll still see on my availability. Well, uh, currently with our quarantine, uh, things going on and some being lifted in certain States, uh, things can be changing drastically for people's schedules, but we'll, I'll keep you guys posted, and you may hear Ty again Maybe. on this. Maybe not on this specific show, but uh, unless uh, James James gets pregnant and he goes through full pregnancy, that'd be insane. Then I'd, I'd support him, though, because, you know, as his friend, yeah. I have to support him through <laughs> those types of times. But I, uh, yeah. <laughs> But uh, you might hear Ty and myself on a different podcast altogether. Who knows? We'll see what we'll see what happens. But all right, I'll get I'll get rambunctious if, uh, we, if we have less structure than this. I oh didn't yeah. want to like I didn't want to get wild on like the one and only episode of this I'm going to be in. But if we add one for ourselves, you know, I get nuts on some topics. So. Oh yeah, no, we just we just go full cra- full crazy, especially depending on the people we got. It could just it could be a whole god who knows like it, it would be it's based off of us uh being at school talking a shit ton of <laughs> shit like literally talking shit of stuff for like two hours after we'd watch like two to three movies on a sunday night so this is kind of what that's based off of, of of what i've had this idea for but okay uh so for the show itself guys if you want to email us for the show you can email us at sutrosidetalk at gmail.com 
Uh, this will also be in the show notes when you look up the description for the show and everything else. Uh, but you can either give us your feedback, positive or negative. I'd like either one. Or you can send us a question. Uh, and if it's a question we'll read on the show, if you're the first uh, question read on that show, I'll send you a copy of Midnight Ultra, which is a game I actually did some sound design for, uh, a Steam code for that. And if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can, at Sutra Side Talk. Uh, just kind of helping us out for this show would be either subscribing to it, liking it, giving us a five-star review, uh, whatever it is for that specific platform, whether it's SoundCloud, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, I thought we were on Google Play Music before previously, but I think they now officially have a Google Podcast app that you can get. So if you wanted to, we are on that currently. Uh, and then the most important thing, if you can, share it with your friends and family. That would really help us out. Uh, we're, we don't make any money off of this. I actually lose money by doing this, but it's more of like it's a fun time to do this kind of thing. And then if you want to follow us personally, you can follow Ty at It's Titanic. Did I say yeah, that correctly, Ty? with a T-Y. <laughs> Yeah, I'll actually, I'll have that in the show notes too. You can find his uh, Twitter there, and you can follow me at GoGoComzilla. You can also still follow James at InvaderJim124. And until next time, guys, I will see you next time, and you may never see Ty <laughs> Bye again. Bye forever. So long. <laughs>